welcome to another episode of Everything College Basketball Podcast, where you'll find out everything that happened in the college hoops world. Now, here's your host of the show, Josh, Peyton, and Tyler. That's hey, all, folks. Welcome back to another edition of Everything College Basketball, presented by the Applied Right Painting Services. In conjunction, we promised last week was a snafu. We are back in the lovely Premier Giant Studios. I'm, of course, Josh Burton. I'm Peyton Burton. Tyler Cook's back, boys and girls. He's and, back. And he's back. <laughs> uh, Tyler, do you want to go ahead and fill everybody in why you were absent? Not just because I shot you. It wasn't It wasn't a bullet injury. It wasn't nothing <laughs> like that. You know, I, I got the SOS messages. You guys asked him where I was at. But uh, I actually... Uh, we had our baby girl last Monday. Probably, uh, she was probably being delivered about the the exact same time these guys were going, following through without me, and going on with last week's podcast. So, yeah, we had a little baby girl, and that's the reason why I missed. But she's drinking beer and smoking right now, so <laughs> we're okay. She, she's old enough to handle herself already, so we're good to go. Yeah, actually, um, on the podcast last week. He texts us as we were recording. We were probably previewing the Sweet 16, and he he texts us. Yeah, he sent us, us a picture, and I showed Josh as he was talking. So, yeah, that was pretty so, cool. So, if you remember, I alluded to it last week that he was gone for personal reasons, exciting personal reasons. So, we didn't want to spill the beans. We waited till he was back. But we were back, all three of us, and mm-hmm. uh, back in living color. <clears throat> and, my Lord, as... Okay, the we mentioned it last week. The first and second rounds, they were it was more chalk, right? A few yeah. upsets. Did or did not the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight make up for the excitement factor? Everything you wanted in the NCAA tournament, it, I think it over delivered. Every the, bit of it was was that and more. You know, I haven't seen a, a structured round between the Sweet 16 and Elite Eight this exciting, <coughs> this much back and forth, this many. I mean, there was overtime. We had everything. Anything and everything you could want. We had controversial calls. We had tip-ins. We had buzzer beaters. Everything that you would want as a college basketball fan was here this weekend. And if you guys thought Central Florida versus Duke game the second round was the game of the tournament, you might want to think again because I think we got some new candidates for the game of the tournament. I mean, we'll get into them, but I swear the Sweet 16 and especially the Elite Eight was as good of basketball that you'll find anywhere. It seemed like every game was close. And not only that, fellas, but you had some outstanding individual performances inside these rounds. I hate to say it, but I'm going to do it because I don't care. He deserves it. Carson Edwards sticks out at the top of this list. I don't care who else was doing it. Carson Edwards had one of the most, one of these best performances, not just in a game, but in the tournament. This guy, Carson Edwards, what he scored, he hit the most three pointers in a, in in a thing. Tournament, yeah. yeah. And the guy that did it before was Glenn Rice. If you don't know who Glenn Rice is, you need to check him out. I wore number 41 all the way until high school because of Glenn Rice, just because I love this guy. He could shoot the ball. But Carson Edwards broke this record, before, not even going into the final four. This kid was hot. Also, he did break another record I've seen most points in a tournament. Uh, for the whole tournament, he beat Steph Curry. Yeah, and he did that in four games. Four games. Four games. Uh, just out, outstanding performances. He wasn't the only one. Um, like I said, we will uh, get into that more as we go into the recaps. And man, what what performances, what games uh, that we have to talk about? And fellas, we're down to our final four. We are down to the final four. Um, as big as week as this was, this Sunday. For all of you wrestling fans, it was WrestleMania. WrestleMania Sunday this Sunday. 
And no better place to turn to for all your pre-WrestleMania coverage than where, Peyton? Conrad Cushman is the host of the Everything Pro Wrestling podcast. Everything Pro Wrestling is a show by the fans for the fans. And you can find that show on Anchor, iTunes, Google Play, and Spotify, and all other podcast hosting sites. He also has a YouTube channel. So go to YouTube.com and the search bar, type in Everything Pro Wrestling, and hit that subscribe button for him. Yes, sir. And as as we mentioned before, you know, we got JRO, our good buddy here with uh, Applied Right Painting Services, commercial, residential, new construction, anything you want for your painting services and needs. JRO is the man. He is down in Kentucky right now doing a commercial uh, doing a commercial job right now, and he's doing a fantastic job. He's putting up pictures. He's letting everybody know his work. So we're backing you, JR, and you're backing us, and we appreciate it. But to get back to the sports aspect of this, the college basketball thing. We have, this is probably the coolest stat that I have found. In the Elite Eight round, 26 ties, 42 lead changes, two overtime games, and at the end of regulation, not, not including the two overtime games, the end of regulation, the margin, of the, the scoring margin between all these games at the end of regulation was just seven points. Jeez. Seven points. Now, <clears throat> we're going to leave you on a high note there. We're going to let Noah from Premier uh, Giant Productions run us this ad from uh, our little our real life music crew, our music from real life music crew, and we'll be right back at you with a recap some games, guys. And we're back, and as promised, like we do every week, we're recapping the Sweet 16, the Elite Eight. We maybe even throw some women's NNT talk if you're lucky, if you're good boys and girls out there. <laughs> but kicking it off, Sweet 16, it started on Thursday night. First game to tip off was a banger of a game. Two-seed Tennessee, three-seed Purdue out in the Midwest. Louisville was rocking. First of all, let's give credit to that Louisville crowd. Okay, mm-hmm. the between the Purdue fans, Tennessee fans, Virginia fans, and Oregon fans, I don't know how much Oregon really brought, but them four schools, <clears throat> the Yum Center gets rocking for big games anyway. It was when University of Louisville plays there. But for these four teams, that atmosphere Thursday was reverberating through the TV screen. When I was sitting there watching, I was like, man, how fun would that be there? Like, especially if you're a player, feeling that energy, you could feel. To me, that right there is a big difference between – College and the NBA. Every bit of it. You know, I went I went three years ago, I believe. Uh, Kansas played Maryland, and uh, Villanova played Miami. And the gym just wasn't full. Like, there, it wasn't that big of a, of a crowd. Kansas had a pretty big showing. Nova was all right. 
but uh, between the other teams, there wasn't nothing there. When you looked at the screen of this this region right here, these guys were pumped. It was packed, and like you said, you could you could feel the electricity coming through the screen. Man, I, yeah, Yum Center, they did a great job. The place was electric. I've been there before this year to watch Louisville, Kentucky. The place was electric for that game. And for the Sweet 16 games, holy balls. These games were incredible, especially this first one, Tennessee and Purdue. We had some amazing performances for Purdue. Edwards, 29 points. Klein, 27. Like, it was a two-man show for them, and they played absolutely phenomenal. And what a game. Yeah, absolutely. And let's go ahead and just kind of get into the game. Mm -hmm. um, you mentioned it. You know, Tennessee, we've all talked about how good Tennessee was, correct? Yep. Um, Grant Williams, Admiral Schofield, Jordan Bone, um, Bowden. The list goes on and on. Tennessee's as deep as they come in America. And Purdue has overachieved in a lot of ways. Um, you know, they were able to snag a share of the Big Ten title. This was supposed to be their rebuilding year. Yep. Yep. This was supposed to be the year that they took – a step back maybe to get ready for the following years. And they end up going and winning to share the Big Ten title. They end up a three-seed in the NCAA tournament. And Carson Edwards, any struggles that he had throughout the end of the year, middle of the year, those games where he had go one for 25, those went out the window as soon as the tournament started. He showed up like an All-American in this tournament. You already gave him some props, but my Lord, what a show he put on. This kid right here, man, he came out balls to the wall. It didn't stop until that final buzzer went off on Saturday. This boy just kept going. But, you know, for, for Tennessee, man, these guys fought back. They were getting whooped. Purdue was putting a whooping on these guys, and Tennessee fought and clawed back to force it to overtime, ultimately losing 99-94 to in overtime to Purdue. But, you know, you had Williams and Schofield both had 21 points apiece. Uh, as the teams here, they both, both teams had 16 assists, a piece. They both had five blocks apiece. The the free throws was terrible on either side. Sixteen to thirty three for Purdue. Fourteen to twenty eight for Tennessee. But you know, as far as an entertaining game, you know, back and forth, you know, a clawing game. This this was one that was that was really really good. I mean, there wasn't nothing that you didn't want from this game. <clears throat> you mentioned Peyton or Tyler. So you mentioned uh, free throws, and it seemed like free throws became a big storyline for a lot of other games. But Tennessee. Um, again, you alluded to it. Tennessee fights back. Tennessee has the wherewithal and the ability, the talent, the overall experience to fight back. Purdue jumps them early. Tennessee claws back to even take the lead. And it looks like yeah. at the end of the game, they have control to win the game. But as good as Carson Edwards was, he was outshined by one of his teammates in this game. Yep. Ryan Klein, 27 points, shot 7 from 10 from the three-point line. There was one point in the game, he had like three threes in a row. He was lights out. And Carson Edwards, I'm looking here, he played the whole game. He played the whole 45 minutes, whole 40 minutes of a regulation, and then plus five minutes in overtime. He played the whole game, and he still had 29 points, four rebounds, hit five threes himself. We had free throw shooting for Tennessee really killed him. I know Purdue didn't shoot the ball well from free throws either, but very late in the game, there was a controversial call mm -hmm. that Carson Edwards, they was down, was it two points? They yeah, were down two three. No, there's that. No, dude, two because Carson missed the first free throw, right? You're and, right. And uh, Carson had a shot in the corner for a three, and he got fouled. They called it a foul. I think, I don't know if you guys, I think it was a foul. I think you shouldn't jump on that situation, really. Just 
put your hand up. But no other way, he misses the first free throw, and everybody's worrying, like, come on, are you going to be an All-American or not? And then he comes back and hits the second free throw to tie the game up. Or hit the two free throws to tie the game up, show diversity right there. He missed the first one, came back and made the two. I'll go ahead and say um, I, I think it was the right call. Um, mm-hmm. If you clearly – I don't remember if it was Bone or Bowden <clears throat> that jumped at him I think in the was- corner, but the, the top hand was high by the ball. It's that bottom hand that swung into him and hit him in the midsection. I think it's the right call. I think you call the foul there. Yep. So, Every bit of it. Um, but Purdue and Tennessee put an absolute banger of a classic on. You mentioned Ryan Klein. How many shots did he hit where he would catch it a good five feet from the three-point line? Which I swear on everything. He caught one. They ran like a zipper cut. He comes up from <clears> underneath <throat> the rim. His Face is facing the opposite goal. His back towards his own rim. He catches, turns around somehow, and hits over somebody. And he's got this line drive shot. He shoots yeah. right here. There's no arc on the shot. It is, but he hit. And my mm-hmm. lord, what a performance! <clears throat> what do you go for? Twenty-seven. Twenty-seven points. Twenty-seven. Yeah, he went ten from thirteen of the field. Seven of them was three pointers. And how good? Before we get to Tennessee and the hype and season they had and all this. Um, how good were the role players from Purdue during this whole run, especially this game? Just focus on this. How good was a guy, the freshman Wheeler? Mm-hmm. How an athletic kid? How about Nogel Eastern, the defensive stopper? Like, Purdue has these guys that are just like, wow, man, the future's bright in West Lafayette. Yeah, they talk about everybody gets all mad, but oh, these didn't score no points. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. It's not about putting the ball in a hole sometimes. Sometimes you got to be the guy that stops the other team from putting it in a hole. Sometimes you got to be the guy that rips down the offensive glass and give you a second opportunity. And Purdue, for 99% of this tournament run, they had every bit of that. You know, with with Carson Edwards going off a couple good games, everybody's like, well, they needed some help. He had the help. They just didn't have enough at the very end of it. But in, in this game especially, they had all the intangibles that you needed to win this game. Before we go to Tennessee real quick and start talking about their season, I want to say this real quick. Because after that game, all I was seeing on Bleach Report, Twitter, and Facebook was people complaining about the fouls, and the, especially the foul late in the game, the controversial one. People just kept on complaining on it, and we witnessed a hell of a game, and it made me upset. It got me really pissed off that all everyone's talking about that controversial call instead of talking about what a game we just seen. And that really annoyed me. Because that's the like, that's just scapegoat for a lot of people, especially if your team doesn't want lose or sorry, if your team doesn't win, you want to figure out a reason, like, oh well, it, it it's whatever. I mean, that's yeah, gonna yeah. happen. Yep. Tennessee though, my props are to Rick Barnes and Tennessee volunteers. Um, a guy like Admiral Schofield, um, Grant Williams is a junior, but presumably played his last game in the Tennessee Orange. Mm-hmm. Those guys have been the foundation and the resurrection – or behind the resurrection of Tennessee basketball. Rick Barnes is a masterful coach. And Tennessee's in great hands because those three men have left it in great shape. Um, Tennessee, outstanding. You you bring back, like I said, essentially ten guys, add some new guys in. You're experienced. You're deep at every position. Um, there's really nothing you don't do well. And you've played the likes. You almost beat Kansas. You beat Louisville. You beat Kentucky twice. Um, you win the – well, actually, you finished second in the SEC, <clears throat> runner-ups in the SEC tournament. Outstanding. You've got a two-seed. And then this is not a knock on Tennessee basketball. But Tennessee, it's not a Kentucky or a Kansas or a Duke. or 
were one seeds and two seeds every year the norm. This is a special year for Tennessee, and they were in conversation at the one. I'm a firm believer, had they beat Auburn, they get the one seed. They get a one seed. Every bit of 100%. it. 100%. Um, Tennessee, what they go? Tw- how many wins on the year? They go 20, 28 wins, 29 wins. Um, I'll let to look it up. But Tennessee, just a fantastic year. Like I said, those three guys. Then you guys got like Jordan Bone. Um, this is one of those weird cases that I don't know if you're a Tennessee fan. Are you, you feel proud because of the – progress in the season you had but they're also a little empty because you were good enough to make the final four yeah they they had they had the pieces that they need you you spoke on it pretty well but uh oh god 31 wins for tennessee that's 31, 31. you hit that 30 number at something special to have yep, in any yep. season mm-hmm. but uh rick barnes just needed the fresh start and and I, this is this was a perfect scenario a perfect storm for him look for tennessee to uh to continue to rise and get back to the the teams they used to be, you know, they had Chris Lofton was one of my favorite uh, Tennessee players in recent memory. Boy, <laughs> boy can put it in a hole. But uh, you know, you got you got a team right now that laid a foundation, and hopefully Rick and his his team of coaches continue continue to build and grow this program back up <laughs> to a to a pretty uh, pretty high caliber team year in and year out, and it'd be good for them, the SEC, and for the country. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. So Purdue moves on, beats Tennessee. Purdue moves on to Elite Eight, um, a spot that they hadn't been to since 2000 under Gene Cady. A spot that, I mean, again, no offense Purdue fans. It's just you don't get there a lot. Nope. Not um, so good on Purdue on that. We move down. And um, the, the other the other semifinal Sweet 16 game inside that own region right there was the one-seed Virginia playing the 12-seed Oregon. And this is a game, me and Peyton, even Tyler wasn't here, but me and Peyton previewed it, and we both had Oregon winning. Yeah. And if you watch the game, it really took every bit of Virginia's grit and determination to win on defense. Oregon even fought back. Virginia got them down seven or eight points. Oregon fought back. That Pritchard hit well. They attacked the rim. They just could never speed the game up to a comfortable pace for them in an uncomfortable <clears throat> spot for Virginia. Then, again, Ty Jerome hit some shots. Uh, Virginia escaped. Virginia escaped 53-49. Yeah, it was 53-49. They did escape. This was a low-scoring game, 53 points for Virginia. It's kind of how the game they want to play. They don't want to be in a high-scoring game, like a game we'll mention here later on. But Kyle Guy, he went two from 11 from three-point. He usually shoots like 45% from three, so he had a little bit of off night. And fun fact, this game was in the Yum Center. He has not hit a three-point in the Yum Center until this game. The whole time, I'm pretty sure that's a fact because I remember seeing it somewhere on Twitter. He said, I'm pretty sure I'm it's a fact. I'm pretty sure it's a fact. <laughs> but <laughs> 97.3% sure. It's close. It, yeah, I have a good probability it's a fact. But yeah, not hit a three-pointer in the Yum Center. He doesn't really shoot the ball well there. But he came out, hit two threes, and 10 points for rebounds. Kind of an off night for him. But Jerome. Oh, Uh-oh. my bad. I've, I've got us playing. I'm listening to ourselves. Sorry. See <laughs> oh, how we look. God. Uh, <laughs> Hunter, he played well. 11 points, four rebounds. Jerome, 13 and six. Clark, 12 and four and six. He had a hell of a game. But yeah, and Diakite, seven points and 11 rebounds. Diakite will be a big factor uh, for Virginia going forward. Mm-hmm. Tyler, um, Virginia over Oregon, your, your initial thoughts. Because, again, you're a big proponent of Virginia in this style, and they just held another team to under 50 points. Does this style work yet for you? Final four team, does this style work for you yet? Yes. Okay. I'll say, I'll say yes. Okay. They proved I, me wrong. I'll say I, yes. I, there's a fact. 
Hey, I got another one. I got another one for you. Summer, you are absolutely right. These guys are a slow, methodical team. They are a defensive team. It showed 100% true right here that the defensive paralysis of Virginia is what gets them where they need to be year in and year out. 53 points is that's that's low for a high school team. These guys barely hit the 80s. Hit 90s one time throughout the year, and that was against the cupcakes at the beginning of the year. That was probably when they just said, "Go have some fun. Let's see what happens." But when they got in the the conference play, you know, and all and all in the conference tournament stuff like this, they they got to their roots and they slow down and and they grind on you, and that's what they did <clears throat> to beat the Ducks. Yeah. So we have a matchup we'll talk about here in a little bit. Chance for a Final Four bid. We had Virginia and Purdue. We'll save it though. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's a very that's another interesting another one. game of the tournament. Um, so we move on to the East. East. We had um, Duke, the number one seed, escaped the prior game in the second round against UCF. The ball rolls around the rim and falls in Duke's favor. So obviously, we all thought Duke bounces back. Correct? They're going to just run right through Virginia Tech. Virginia Tech's a team that that beat them in this season. Obviously without Zion, but they still beat them. Correct? Yep. So what's win. Duke do? They have another shot from their opponent. Hit the rim two inches from it. It's like Duke and Coach K at that time had put a hex on the opponent around the rim. No ball shall enter thy cylinder. Yeah, and this game, Kim Reddish did not play in. He supposedly had a leg injury, and it was hurting too bad, so he did not play. But, yeah, Duke escaped this game. Blackshear for Virginia Tech had a hell of a game. 18 points, 16 boards. Congrats to him. That's a hell of a game. But one of my favorite players on Duke is Trey Jones. He had a career-high 22 points. He came out. Cam Rush did not play, like I said. He came out and balled out. He hit some threes. He actually went five from seven from three. And, and, Virginia, UC- and Virginia Tech used the same game plan that we said that UCF had laid the foundation yeah. for. You back off Jones. You back off Goldwire. You back off anybody not named Cam Reddish and R.J. Barrett and make them shoot. And Trey Jones was actually able to hit some shots this game. Yeah, man. He had a high percent of his shots. And Duke won. But, yeah, you mentioned that shot. It had a perfect – it was perfectly executed. Wide open. The dude's floating to the left and kind of like a volleyball serve. Kind of basically laid it up there and barely hit the rim. Wasn't really even close. I'm of theory, Tyler, you can uh, say I'm right or wrong. I'm of theory of that last shot because, I mean, that <clears> was <throat> wide open. It was such a great play by Buzz Williams. Down underneath, everybody assumed that they'd go for the win, popped corner. So Duke shaded everybody that side of that corner. You just simply set a, uh, a dummy screen, roll around back to the rim. It's wide open. I think the kid seen Zion in his peripherals and left it short. I think it was, it was in his mind, and he gator-armed it and left it short because he thought, oh, man, Zion, instead of focusing on the rim, he focused on the person to the side of him. They, they slow-moed this down, and, and you, you could see the, the little look to the right a little bit. But then you got, you got to think, you were in the tournament, win or go home. Mm-hmm. You are going. You are fighting Goliath right now. You know every time you turn on the TV, Duke, 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 Zion. Oh, he broke a shoelace. You know he he shit his pants the other day. All everything that you wanted to hear and see, it was about Duke. You had an opportunity to to tie, to tie, and and have a chance to fight for another five minutes. Yep. And and with and with Zion coming out, you know, getting close to blocking you or whatever. But a lot of factors run into this, and I. If you were in practice running this, this is this is an easy. This is two points all day. Oh yeah, but, but when you when you lace them up, 
and you got the other team on you, you know, the, the crowd's going, you know, all the anticipation, it was executed perfect, perfectly until the missed shot. And it, it was just a bad, a, bad luck. That's yeah. a bad tough luck. one that, that will live with that kid for a long time. I'm sure if it was me, it would be replaying it still right now. I'd be like, oh. Yeah, man. we'll see it next March for sure before the tournament starts. About all this, there's there's a lot of hot moments, but this is going to be one that was kind of a letdown that they're going to show. I guarantee it. And how lucky this? When I say lucky, it doesn't mean a team's not good. So before all you Duke um, apologists come after me, when I say a team's lucky, it doesn't necessarily mean they're not good. I think Duke was really good, but you think two games in a row. They get in the NCAA tournament. They get by with teams missing essentially point blank layups around the rim. It's pretty lucky. That's 100% I mean, it's pretty lucky. lucky. That's 100% lucky. So who would Duke be facing in the Elite Eight with a Final Four bid on the line? You have the Tom Izzo-led Michigan State Spartans versus the three-seed LSU um, Tigers. I originally thought LSU would win this game. I predicted it last week. I thought LSU's depth <laughs> in the front court would be too much. And a Tom Izzo-led Spartan team does what a Tom Izzo-led Spartan team does in March. We got more on Tom Izzo here in a little bit. But Michigan State, this is one of those games that wasn't even close, really. I mean, it was early, and the Michigan State went on a run in the last six, seven minutes and really blew them out. Michigan State wins 80-63 of LSU. The result, the team that winning doesn't surprise us, but does it surprise you, the margin of victory? Not really. Not really. I knew LSU was capable, but with, with the stuff going on behind the scenes, it's going to catch you. You know, you, you don't have your, your coach from all year on the bench – and plus, you have, quote-unquote, Mr. March on the other end. This guy can game plan like no other. And, you, you know, when you, when you, when you <laughs> compound a couple things, you get a snowball effect. LSU played well before this, really well. Yeah. But then with the, the factors off the court, I think that was a little bit of a factor. And also, the Mr. March factor came into play with this one. Yeah, Michigan State fans, they should thank me because I put a curse on LSU. Last week I said my bank on LSU is going to defeat Michigan State. I was hella wrong. One evening game. Only offensive production LSU got was Trey Montwaters, who had 23 points and hit four from nine from three. He was the only production on offense, and Bigby Williams had 11 points. So... I mean, Spartans played well. The, the game inside the game we were all excited for um, was Cassius Winston versus Tremont Waters. Tremont two, Waters. Two of the best small guards, maybe the two best small guards in America, maybe throwing Chris Clemens in there as well, Marcus Howard. But uh, Cassius Winston ate him up. Yeah. Cassius Winston is <clears> – his stat line's good. He, he can go get you 20 and 10. But it's his leadership qualities is what's really impressive. Yeah, Cassius, Cassius is one of those guys that he just – he doesn't look the part for me, but just he's a grinder. Day in and day out, he gets it done. What's what's the cat's name they lost this year? Langford. 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 And when you lose a piece like that, sometimes you crumble. Yeah. We've yeah, we, we seen it with, with Kansas losing Udoka Azabuki. These guys did the polar opposite. They came together. They started working together. Cassius steps up. Ward steps up. Aaron Henry steps up in this game mm -hmm. in particular. Yep. But, you know, they, they just do things that they need to do to get it done, and Cassius is one of those guys. Yeah, so moving down to the West in Sweet 16 action, we had out in Anaheim, California, the one-seed Gonzaga Bulldogs, four-seed Florida State Seminoles. I was of the assumption that Florida <coughs> State's length, athleticism, overall size would give Gonzaga enough fits to win the game, and Gonzaga's offense was able to shine through, really. Uh, Josh Perkins was big. Yep. Um, Roy Hachimura played like the All-American he is. 
And Gonzaga was able to kind of coast by at the end, beating Florida State 72-58. Really, any surprises other than the fact maybe the margin of victory? <clears throat> uh, margin of victory, definitely. I thought Florida State would win this game because, like you said, the athleticism. But coming into this game, are both problems with Florida State, could they hit shots consistently? Yeah. And they did not. So Gonzaga ended up winning in a pretty comfortable win. Yeah. Florida State only had one guy in double figures. It was Trent Forrest with 20 points. They lost the glass uh, boards. They, they just they didn't do anything <laughs> really noteworthy to to do anything against Gonzaga, who is a really really talented team, NBA caliber players. They're going to keep getting better. They got a top five recruiting class coming in, I believe. That uh, Gonzaga just rolls over Florida State. The score doesn't do this one justice. I know it's fourteen, but it could have been twenty four. Yeah, that's very true. Um, in Gonzaga, you know, they're one of those teams that they're hit or miss with me. Sometimes I think they're really good. Sometimes I think that they're beatable. Yeah. Um, but who would they be playing in the lead eight? Um, three seed Texas Tech or two seed Michigan? The top two defenses in America. And it showed in the first half. This game at halftime, <laughs> I think it. They finally one team finally broke twenty points with a minute to go in the first half. It was twenty two eighteen, I think. Something. Like I mean, that. it was a case of really. Really good defense and really, really bad offense. And it, the bad thing, this game followed as far as like TV coverage. You had Purdue, Tennessee, who just ended in a classic, and then you switch over to the other channel. It's ten or Texas Tech and Michigan, the polar opposites. Um, score, def, everything. But both these do what both these teams did. They locked down. But we all have Texas Tech winning. Yeah, the game. I don't think any of us predicted that they beat Michigan by almost 20. Michigan's a team all year that we thought, and this is Final Four caliber, this team can really get it done. Even despite their struggles late in the year in the back half of the conference, this is a team that could get it done. They just got back Charles Matthews for the tournament, playing well again. Their defense is, like I said, the number two. They kept flip-flopping with Texas Tech at one point and a high-power offense, but they're, they're, um, they were almost last in the nation and um, offensive possessions per game, basically they didn't have a lot. Um, and Texas Tech smothered them. Texas Tech smothered Michigan. Yep, I was right on last week saying that this would be a defensive battle, first one to 60 wins. I was right on who would win, Texas Tech won, but I was not right on the scoring margin. I thought it was going to be a close game, close um, defensive battle game. It was not. Texas Tech dominated them on the defensive side. And Cutler, uh, Culver, he had uh, 22 points, so he played well. He almost had basically a third <clears throat> of Texas Tech's scoring. But Tyler, we just mentioned Virginia and their Sweet 16 held a highest-powered offense to 49. Texas Tech, against a better opponent, held Michigan to 44. Texas Tech didn't allow the 20th point until 24 minutes into this game. Jeez. First half plus the first four. They always talk about the first four minutes of the half's most pivotal. We well, didn't get two points. Got two points. They held Michigan to 5.3% from the three-point line, one of 19. You know, it's, this was one of the most difficult picks for me to make, you know, even, even with my own team and all this stuff. This was the <clears> toughest <throat> pick for me to pick because of the way Michigan's been playing and how hot Texas Tech got at the end of the season. The only reason why I picked Texas Tech, and I'm being dead serious right now because they're in the Big 12 and I need some help. Yeah. That was the yeah. only reason why – if this was any other team in the country, any other team in the country, I would have picked Michigan just because of how much I like them. Right. But with the, the, the score of this, getting beat by 
19 points. I never would have thought it. And only scoring 44 points, that's that's another mind blower to me from how well Michigan was playing. Culver did it. You know, that Moretti guy, he, he had 15 points, mm-hmm. four assists. Tech shot 43.6% <clears throat> from the field. Tech did everything they needed to do and then some to get this one. So we move on. Um, we have the last Sweet 16 region of the of the tournament. Move on to the Midwest. And we dubbed the Midwest the region of death, the group of death, whatever. Yep. And it most certainly was. You move on. You have the number one seed, North Carolina, versus the five and the red hot Auburn Tigers, SEC Conference champions. And this was a game that we knew was going to be high-paced, high action, tons of scoring, but we, you know, I, uh, let me take that back before I say something. We thought that Auburn had a chance. <clears throat> Auburn winning doesn't surprise me. It's how Auburn won. Auburn running and transitions their game. We knew that they would run with North Carolina, but my Lord, I did not see them absolutely running North Carolina off the floor. No, not at all. They won by 17 points, and the game, it was larger than that. The last, you know, the last couple minutes, Carolina was able to um, reel it back in a little bit. Auburn, you think about now in back-to-back games, Auburn ran Kansas off the floor, and they just ran North Carolina off the floor. They hit so many threes in the second. They were trailing at halftime. Yep. They hit three after three after three after three. It's like, good Lord, Bryce Brown's on fire. Jared Harper and Chumo Kiki absolutely was <sighs> yeah. the best player on the basketball floor that night. And then he goes down with an injury. We end up finding out with tears his uh, ACL in his left knee. It prayers up to Chuma. He was yeah, absolutely – he doesn't mm-hmm. – nobody deserves that. But, my Lord, the kid was having the game of his life. I sympathize with it, having torn my ACL twice in my left knee. Yeah. I know the pain. And um, it just sucks for him individually because he was having legit the game of his life. There was nobody in North Carolina that could stop him. Nobody could touch him. No. And he's a, he's a dangerous matchup of that – that athletic wing player that can defend, can score, shoot threes, post you up in me two rebounds. He's a do-it-all type NBA-style player, and it just sucks to see. But for Auburn, Auburn absolutely murdered North Carolina. Dude, Auburn hit 17 threes out of 37 attempts. If they can hit 15 or more threes in a game, they are very, very dangerous. And it showed in this one. Carolina really – I mean, they played well, but not – to what I expected from them. I did not expect Auburn to win this game. I thought it would be high scoring, a close one. I thought Carolina pull it out just because they have, seen, they have Luke May, Cam Johnson, Kenny Williams, and Kobe White's been playing well here lately. So, And they got Will Williams as coach. I thought Carolina would pull it out. And coming into this game, you said it. Auburn, they like to run in transition, do the same things Carolina does. And people thought Auburn was crazy. They thought Bruce Perry was crazy. Like, you're really going to run with uh, Roy Williams and Carolina? That's what they do. And we're like, yeah, that's what they do, and we do it too, and we did it better. So, and you mentioned Chuma Kiki, man, that's a that's a tough injury. You've experienced it before twice. Yeah, it sucks. Uh, it sucks, and you can tell the emotion on his face after he landed. You can tell he's really hurting. And uh, hats off to Carolina, by the way, because after that, Kobe White and the Carolina squad went over there and gave him uh, props or whatever. Gave him, just took his head and shook his head. They showed really good class right there. But, yeah, hats off to North Carolina. That was great. 
to touch on the class and sportsmanship and all this good stuff after the game, they were asking uh, Roy Williams what he thought about this and was it a factor with Johnson and them being sick and yada, yada, yada. Roy Williams responds, I'm not making any excuses. Auburn beat us. They were the better team. Good luck to Auburn and the Tigers going on to the next round. And that's the way it should be as a coach, as a, especially the fan bases. I, I cannot stand, oh, well, they did this, they did that. There was a call, bad call here, bad call there. The, it evens itself out. Eventually, it will even itself out on the calls. It's, it's going to happen. It, it bit Duke in the butt this last round, and I'll tell you why later. But uh, it's, just, it's just a factor of, of Roy always being a stand-up guy and, and, it's, and it's playing off on his kids. You know, you're setting an example for these kids. But as far as the game, Okiki was leading scorer of this entire game, and he didn't play last eight minutes. That just attests to the type of game he was having. Auburn goes in there and just and just runs Carolina out of the gym. No, no hands, no hands in the bucket for North Carolina doing anything offensively. 97-80. Yeah, and Auburn did North Carolina what they like to do, but they did it better. North Carolina, or sorry, Auburn's like total speed on the floor is outstanding. It's unbelievable. And before <coughs> I lay into Roy Williams a little bit here, let's go ahead and give props to North Carolina seniors. Luke May. Kenny Williams, Cam Johnson. Mm-hmm. All three of us have absolute ton of respect for you three. You stayed the course. Even though Cam Johnson transferred in, he still played two years from North Carolina, graduated. He transferred yeah. from Pittsburgh. The three of you stayed the course when it's uncommon in college basketball for especially talented players like you inside college. Um, guys like Luke May's case, and really, Cam, really all three of them, Cam Johnson and um, Kenny Williams have a better shot than Luke May, but – Guys like that, it's okay to be great college players. Not everybody's meant to play in the NBA. You can still go make a lot of money in your Carolina legends. You're going to be able to have jobs in the state of North Carolina for the rest of your life if you want. You can open up car dealerships. You can open up anything. You gave and paid your dues to the university. You were great college players. Kenny Williams, a great defensive player, worked on his jump shot. By this year, could really shoot. Cam Johnson, great shooter. Um, became an okay defender. Luke made a do-it-all forward. Uh, Not the most athletic forward either, but he rebounded. All the stuff he did was pure heart. I know we don't like Carolina. We're all fans of different teams, but from the three of us, we have absolute the highest respect for those three. And before I get into Roy Williams, I'll let you guys speak on the Carolina seniors real quick. These guys, I mean, they've won a national championship. I know that one guy transferred in uh, his junior year, but – you know, Luke's won a championship. These guys have – they've done it all in the college basketball world. They had a, a hell of a run. You know, it sucks to see them. I had them going to the championship game, if I remember correctly. But uh, they just – they've done everything you want to do. Roy is, is rubbed off on these guys in the right ways, all the right ways as far as, you know, teaching them how to be a class act, never never make an excuse, always come back for the next one if you have an opportunity for the next one. You know, it's the next chapter is opening up for these guys. And on or off the court, I think their future is bright for these guys. Yeah, Roy Williams, I'm a big fan of him. Obviously, I'm not a fan of Carolina, but I'm a fan of Roy Williams because his, his post-game conference, um, yeah, he uh, gave pops to Auburn, said they had better team, did not make any excuses, and I love that he didn't do that. And about the three seniors, Cam Johnson, Kenny Williams, and uh, Luke May, I like how hard all three of those two play, all three of those dudes play with each other. They play really hard ball, they're smart, and uh, – they did a great job. They had a great career in North Carolina. It was fun watching them three. Yeah, I mean, again, bravo to you three. I know you didn't get to where you want to be, um, but you did share the ACC title. And um, 
you know, good good career. Uh, it's all we can say, and we wish you the best. As far as I want to get into Roy Williams, and he's not the only one, so Carolina fans don't burn me at the stake yet. Um, Roy Williams, the reason I want to get after him, because arguably they had one of the tops coming into this tournament. They were one seed for a reason. They had, to all most people's opinion, they had one of the top three teams in America, and they had one of the highest percentages of winning this tournament. He was backed by experience. He was backed by leadership. He was backed by um, talented freshman in the Little. You had everything you needed to win. And Carolina is one of them programs. Now, let me preface before I get into it that each year is different. You might be at North Carolina, Kentucky, Duke, whatever, Kansas, but each team's different, and expectations should be um, – what's the word I'm looking for? Expectations should be tendered for that particular team that particular season. But in this situation, <clears throat> Carolina being a favorite, a lot of people's picked to win it all, especially come through the Midwest. Yes, you ran into a buzzsaw against Auburn, and yes, it happens – but doesn't mean I'm going to let you off the hook. You have the talent. You add everything you need, and you came up short. Yes, you did share for the ACC title. But anything less than the Final Four with the type of team and everything, it's borderline a failure. Um, I'll get into it more when I speak on Kentucky here in a little bit and explain a little bit more. But it, it's borderline failure, and just because it's a failure doesn't mean I'm not saying that it wasn't all good, you didn't have a good season, but with the expectations and the team you had and everything building up to it, anything less for, than a Final Four for this version of Carolina, it's kind of a failure. Um, like I said, I'll, act, I'll get more into it later on, I'll, uh, Kentucky. Um, but speaking of Kentucky, um, Obviously, Auburn moves on. Who would they play in the lead eight? Three-seed Houston, two-seed Kentucky down there in the bottom part of the Midwest. The Cats open up strong. Um, P.J. Washington's back, comes off the bench, immediately in P.J. mode. Um, Reed Travis playing well. Tyler Hero's outstanding. Cats get to a lead, but like they've been doing here over the last month or so, they get to the lead. They fall back in the second half. Houston puts on a hell of a run. Houston changed up their defense. Houston got after it. They just wanted it more than Kentucky. They lead most of the second half. Yep. To the point where Kentucky needs to be bailed out at the end by a Tyler Hero that has the balls the size of grapefruits and hits a shot late in the game to give the Cats a lead. Kentucky gets stopped, hits some free throws, end up squeaking one by, by Houston. But Tyler Hero, um, the, the dude's in it all, all year. We've said he's a road warrior, but he lives for big moments. We talked about last week. He went to Coach Calipari and said, I want to guard Fletcher McGee. Uh-huh. He took that challenge on us. Uh, sacrifices <clears throat> scoring to defend the best player from Wofford. This time, needs him to score. Big shot, no problem. Um, he's going to go down in the annals, whether he's here for one year, two, three, or four. He's going to go down in the annals of Kentucky basketball lore just because of the type of personality and the ability to step up when the, the pressure is the greatest. Yeah. But Kentucky found a way to win, moved on to the lead. That's about all I can say for that. <laughs> They're late in the game. First of all, how nervous were you? Oh, bro, <laughs> let, me, let me tell you something. We've talked about this all year about superstitions, right? Well, I'm sitting there watching Kentucky's losing. It's under a minute to go, and I'd been wearing this shirt. 
had my Kentucky socks on and everything, get frustrated and I'd take the shirt off. I'm like, damn it, <coughs> I moved couches. When I moved couches, we went in like that 6-0 run to take the lead. I'm like, hell yeah. Late in the game, Houston has a chance. Um, just after Tyler Hero hits a three to put us up, Houston has a chance to tie up or take the lead. I stand up. I won't move. Won't move. I have the shirt around my neck now, no shirt on. I'm standing. I stood like that the final 30, 35 seconds of the game until the game was over with. And then after it was over with, I let out a big scream. But prior to that, especially when we're losing, it's getting close to uh, final buzzer time, and we're losing. I'm nervous, man. I can just feel it through my <clears> body. I'm like, <sighs> <laughs> so, I mean, yeah, I'm real superstitious. That's my story to that. Yeah, they're late in the game. Kentucky had two major, huge plays back-to-back on the defensive side and then the offensive side. P.J. Watson had a hell of a block. And then coming down the floor, Tyler Hero hit that three-point to put him up. And uh, that was two huge plays that determined the end of the game. Congrats to Kentucky. They played great in Houston. All right, season. They had, one, they had a 31 season, right? That, that's a really good season for Houston. Now, yeah. We mentioned North – I mentioned North Carolina, and this is the exact opposite. Houston, this is like one of them rare seasons. 30 wins. You're a three-seed NCAA tournament. You're going against the powerhouses. Sweet 16. You had your chance to go to lead eight. I say a good season for Kelvin Sampson and them. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you something about this game right here. It's probably the coolest stat you'll ever see. I didn't watch but five minutes this game because you guys were going to watch it, and I knew you guys had it covered. But, you know, one, one thing I always check, I always check is the glass. Kentucky won it 36-23. But another thing I always check is turnovers. Kentucky had 14 to Houston 7. Jeez. And even committing, you know, twice the turnovers, Kentucky was able to pull this out. Like I said, I, I just I just dabbled in this game. I don't know what other game was on, but I, I just knew Virginia Tech and Duke. Yeah, that's yeah, that's, back that's why forth. I was watching. I wasn't switching back and forth, boys. I was glued to Black. Were you, able, were you able to see the hero game winner though? The PJ block that led to the hero game winner? No. No, you didn't. Didn't. <laughs> I just I just knew that you guys you guys were watching this one. So I was like, <laughs> you know what? Let's let's go to the yin to the yang here. I'll go to the other side. So yeah. the, the final possession, like, I'm glad because I forgot about the PJ block. Mm-hmm. But Houston has a chance. They're up to, they have a chance to ice this game and goes down the line, lane. I can't think of the Houston's best player, a little small guard. Mari Brooks. Davis. D- Davis. Oh, Brooks. Uh, was it Brooks? Corey, uh, Corey Davis. Davis. Corey Davis. He goes down the lane. PJ comes rotating over, got up, boom, led to a fast break, hero in transition. Doesn't think about going for the two. He catches it wide open shot and it was Davis or the Robinson was for me to you too, and goes from the side to blocking. Yeah. He just said, "Bow." Yeah, I, see, I think I've seen the replay of that now. Cold blooded. So the Cats move on to their record, whatever it was. Th- God, thirty some Elite Eight. I forgot the stat, but it breaks their own record they had already had. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Elite Eight set. We got four trips to the Final Four on the line. We'll go from left to right. So. Duke in the East, the one seed. Michigan State, the two seed. We have it held chalk. You have the matchup between the Duke East, Coach K, Spartans, Coach Izzo. Coach K's got the best of Tom Izzo for the majority of times that they've met. Yep. Tom Izzo doesn't have – he's got a good team, but he doesn't have this mega powerful offense, powerful team that Coach K has in all – Tom Izzo does and this time of year is win basketball games. The Spartans upset and end the Zion-led Duke Blue Devil run. 
just one game short of the Final Four. Michigan State 68, Duke 67, and what a fantastic college basketball game. R.J. <coughs> Barrett killed Duke at the end of the game like he has all the year, and this time it came back to bite him. How many times this season, before we get to anything else, have you seen, as talented as he is, and as many 30-point games he's had, at the end of games, has R.J. Barrett killed Duke? He tries to shoot and shoot and shoot, and he needs to get rid of the ball. And he killed him that last five minutes. Yeah, at their way, you got to give the ball to your best player. you got to give it to Zion. He did not touch the ball, I don't think, at all. And RJ, he went to the free throw line, missed the first one. We talked about All-Americans. We talked about Carson Edwards, how he missed the first one. And I made the other two. That was clutch. But he, I don't know what's going on with him. He did not really play well. And this whole tournament, Duke's been squeaking by teams. They're not playing their best ball. I read a thing on Twitter after this game that really interested me, and I want to see y'all's thoughts about it. This said, Duke's, everyone thought Duke was a great team. They, they, they really didn't improve throughout the season. They peaked at the first game when they dominated Kentucky, and they kind of stayed there through the, whole, through the whole season. They didn't really improve, and other teams like Michigan State, North Carolina, and teams like that eventually caught up to them. And this whole tournament, Duke has not played well. They've squeezed by two opponents against uh, UCF and then Virginia Tech, and eventually it came back to buy them because they got beat. I made a Peyton-type bank on it with this. I said there ain't going to be nobody within 10 points of them until the national championship. Mm-hmm. Boy, I was wrong. <laughs> wrong, wrong, wrong. And, and they could have easily got bounced by UCF, not even just on the end of the game, but beforehand. These guys, I mean, RJ, this game against Michigan State had 21 points, six rebounds, and six assists. That's, that's a good stat line. But as far as gameplay in the, the end of the games, these guys aren't that good. Zion and RJ, between the two of them, under two minutes, uh, in under two minutes of the basketball game, they shoot 52% from the free throw line. In college, this is one of the biggest problems I see as far as a fundamental thing is free throws. These guys kill themselves every game. It's not just Duke, it's across the country. It's terrible. Terrible free throw shooting, and when you got the number one, number recruit, two recruit in the country. And three. And well, I mean, just three. between the two from the oh, stat yeah. that I gave, yeah, RJ yeah. and Zion, between just these two alone, you shoot 52%. That's not good. That is not good. And you're not – and you guys are offensive paralysis. I mean, you guys are monsters. You're not some big, goofy-ass seven-foot-three center. You guys are athletic. You have good form. Well, Zion's kind of weird, but he's just too big. You know, lefties are always beautiful shots. You know, RJ, I don't understand how this can happen, but that's that's just another thing to add on as far as stats. It's just not good. Yeah, and what credit to Tom Izzo. Um, you know, let's go ahead and get into it because we've had a debate. We've dubbed him Mr. March, right? And we had some friendly debate, and this is what this group's for, correct? I mean, difference yep. of opinions. But let's let's break down some Tom Izzo real quick. Tom Izzo, 606 and 231 in his coaching career to this point. That's a 72% win percentage. Um, never had a losing season. He took over Michigan State in the 95-96 season. Never had a losing season. He had his first year, I think, was 16 and 16. Nine regular season Big Ten titles. Six conference tournament titles. Okay? Now let's get into the March stuff. He's got eight Final Four appearances since 1996. That's the most in that span of anybody. Um, two hours, or sorry, 
1999, 2000, 2001, three years in a row. Only um, Ben Howland and um, Coach K's done it in three years in a row like that since the tournament expanded in 1985 to 64 teams. 2005, 2009, 2010, 2015, and 2019. Eight Final Fours since 1996. 22 straight tournament appearances from 97 until now. He's 52 and 20. That's a 72% win percentage inside of March. The dude wins, and here's the big thing. Yeah, he's had some really good teams. That 2000 team was loaded. They had Mateen Cleaves. They had Mo, um, Mo Pete. They had all those guys, right? But you're not thinking about the 2010 team. That was really good, but he made the Final Four with Kalen Lucas hurt. This year's team, Josh Lankford hurt. Arguably their best player, their biggest scoring threat, gone for the majority of the year. The dude can get it done, right? Yep. 2015, a couple years back, their last Final Four until now. He may, uh, Michigan State started the year off preseason AP 18th. The dude gets it done. It's more than just, yes, he's only got one championship. He won it in 2000 with Mateen Cleaves and them. But it's more than just winning the title. It's so hard to win a title. I mean, what Coach K and guys like that have done make it look easy. Tom Izzo does it with players. He brings teams along, does it with players that get hurt, finds ways to mold guys to make them winners. And the dude to me, and I know to both of you, are, is Mr. March, and you can't change our mind about that. Not one bit. How many uh, championships has Indiana to have? Five? Five. Yeah. Where does that rank them all time? They are fourth. UCLA, Kentucky, North Carolina, Indiana, and Duke tied for, what, fourth or fifth? When was their last championship? 1987. And they are fourth on the all-time record of national championships, and they haven't won one in that many years. Yeah. It just goes to show how hard it is to win <laughs> in this tournament. Getting to a Final Four is a huge accomplishment, and the way Tom Izzo does it with – I wouldn't say lesser players, but not as highly ranked players coming in year in and year out, 22 years in a row going. It's unbelievable. Texas Tech has never been. Auburn has never been. Virginia hasn't been there since 1984. I was yeah. born in 88. I'm 31 years old. Do the math. This is retarded what this guy is doing. It just goes. It just shows the caliber of, of a coach that this guy is. Every year, no matter what, Izzo is going to get in and he's going to make a run. And you think about it real quick. I mean, like I said, you think about he does – a guy goes down, okay, well, we'll adjust our style. He's hard on kids. Kids mostly stay four years. Every occasional leave after one or two. But he – and how many times over his career has he beaten the number one team inside of his <clears> bracket? <throat> Teams like fans – Fear him. I know you don't want to see Michigan State in your bracket. Exactly. It doesn't matter where they're at. That 2015 team or whatever, I think it was 2015, was like a seven seed, a six seed. Mm -hmm. doesn't matter where he's at. He beat Duke, the number one overall seed, back in 10 years ago in 2009. Beat the overall number one seed when Louisville was in the lead eight. That dude just gets teams to win this time of year. So, yeah, he might not have five national championships or three but he gets to the Final Four. He wins consistently. He brings teams along, whether they're really good and should get there or maybe have underachieved this time of year. He finds a way to bring the best out of them, and he's Mr. March to us. When we did our, our rewards, our ECB awards, 
Who was my coach of the year? Was it Izzo? It was Tom Izzo. And one thing, because what he's done this year to win a share of the Big Ten title and to win the Big Ten Conference Championship without Joshua Langford and then some of those games with that Nick Wood just relying on people like Tillman and Henry and uh, Winston is incredible. And you have to dub him Mr. March, in my opinion. And talking about Coach K and talking about Duke real quick, I think we're all in agreement that this year, this team, Duke, was a failure. Failure of the season. Um, it was, they didn't make final Yes, play. I agree. I agree. Uh, and again, it goes back to that <clears> point <throat> where it, just because we say it's failure doesn't mean it wasn't fun. It wasn't. They didn't have a good team. It wasn't a good season. Just they didn't get to where they need to be. And I'll get to that just real quick. Yeah, and I got something pulled up here. I think Coach K is the greatest of all time. And since 2015, some of the players you had that come into Duke, Harry Giles III, Jason Tatum, Luke Kennard, Frank Jackson, Trevon Duvall, Gary Trent Jr., Marvin Bagley III, Wendell Carter Jr., Brandon Ingram, Zion Williamson, RJ Barrett, and Cam Reddish. He has not made a Final Four with those, with those players at all. And different, that's different like teams and stuff. He has not to, he's had top recruiting classes. Not make a Final Four, I know it's hard, but if you're the greatest of all time, like I think he is, you should at least make a couple Final Fours with those players. He's on the rush more. I, he, he, he has a shot to say, you, you can put him in a discussion. Yeah. But the way, not even the Final Four is a failure. I think the national championship was a failure. You have one, uh, probably in my opinion, the best recruiting class of all time. I think it's the best and if, as well. And if it's I not number too. one, it sure as hell is number two. Yeah. If you don't like my opinion on this, you can kiss my ass. <laughs> because this is ridiculous. You never ever get the number one, number two, and number three seed. It's the first time it's ever had. Never. This is, this is the first, and I, I guarantee it, it'll happen another time, but it won't be the caliber of players these guys are. He had a once-in-a-generational player in Zion Williamson. He has a superstar in R.J. Barrett, and he's got another really good star in Cam Reddish. And you have all this hype machine. You have this, that, and the other. Any, I'm with you. Even the I said Final Four. Anything less than a national title game or national title was a failure because you're expected to win. You're the number one overall seed. ESPN's dubbed you all year. This team that you've seen what they did earlier in the year to teams, right? Even my team, they beat beat the brakes off us. Yep. You're expected to win and win big, and you're the greatest of all time. And when you fail, when you fail. It is a collapse. Yep. To collapse. You have no, again, Tom Izzo, great and all this, but when you're this type of Duke team, you have no business losing to Michigan State or anybody, really. Not a shot. These guys, like we said, they are, this was the team. I want to pull up to see how many brackets had Duke winning it. And I, I did too. I guarantee you it was in the 80 to 90 percentile. And if I'm wrong, whatever. I'll buy you a Polar Pop. But this is this is something that you just don't get such a unanimous pick. I guarantee you that there were some people in North Carolina that wear that baby blue pick Duke to win. I picked Duke to win. I am not a fan of this team, you know, Coach Cal, whatever. But there there's there's some moments where I, I have enjoyed them, but not not entirely. But these guys let everybody down. <laughs> With this Duke team and with having the top three prospects in the, in the nation coming into this year, to even – no offense to Central Florida, no offense to Virginia Tech, those games shouldn't even been close, honestly. It should be at least a 10-point margin or higher. To barely win that game against both of those 
was weird. I don't. It shouldn't. Shouldn't not have been a game. No, and we get it. Tournament games are really hard, but you're still not exempt. Just because they're really hard, you're not exempt from criticism. And the national media has how many complaints or how many people from the national media on Twitter, on ESPN, on CBS, on you name it, has called Coach K out for this being a failure. With all these great recruiting classes, he has like a number one recruiting class in five of the last six seasons. Now, I know another dude I'm going to get to here in just a little bit that gets railed every single time that Kentucky does not win a national championship. Railed. Oh, all this talent can't win. This number one recruiting class for no reason and this, that, and the other. But the, the man himself, Coach K, has the greatest recruiting class has a great team and gets bounced in lead eight and the media goes silent. Not here. We think Coach Coach K is great, but as I'm looking to you in this camera, this is a failure. Coach K failed. This team underachieved when it mattered. They didn't win an ACC title. They won the um, tournament title. But it are oh, underachieved, and it's a failure. And let's call it for what it is. Coach K does not get by with excuses and this that because of who he is. He might be the greatest of all time. Yep. But there's no way around it. This is a failure, and it lies at the shoes of Coach K. And I'll give you one reason for this team why it lies there, because they ran no offense and they weren't structured on defense. Seth Greenberg from ESPN pointed out, and I know people are like, well, how? Uh, you watch Duke. They run, there's a difference in an offense and sets. A set play is when you run a specific thing to get this person X a shot in a certain position, right? An offense is something that can, continuity, that continue. You can go from one side to another to another, and it continues. Like a swing. Choop. Shoot right. back and forth. <clears throat> Duke ran no offense. Coach K, for the one, he actually just sat by and let the stars make plays, and it got by on them. Their defense, they were really good for a while, but when Zion came back, they weren't the same. They were giving up points. You could straight line drive on Duke. If they couldn't block your shot or get a steal, you're getting a bucket. There's a, that's the reason UCF stayed with them. So this is a failure, and let's call it for what it is. Coach K failed this season, and actually failed the last couple with these recruiting classes, but this team is completely different because of how great the recruiting class was. So ECB's not holding any punches. It's a failed season. Is this – my question to you guys, is this not one of the best teams to never win a national title? It'd be up there. It's yeah, definitely it's up top there. top five. Right? It's there be. with Fab Five. The Kentucky, Kentucky team. The Kentucky team, though, went undefeated. Those are a couple candidates. But, yeah, Coach K, half of the game, he just sets down and lets the players do whatever. It's basically isolation. Whoever has a mismatch, you attack it. And that's – they don't really want any off Or late in the sets. shot clock, they'll run a ball screen. Yeah, he had the luxury of being able to sit back and watch these kids play throughout the year, though, and that's 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 something that we probably don't that we're overlooking is just the offensive talent that he had that he could sit back and do that. But when it came down to it, there was no there was no continuity within their offense, like you mentioned. It was all one on one, like you said. It just was not the type of play that you would expect from a team like this now the media didn't stop i was home today you know i'm, st- I'm still on leave with my with my daughter i watch espn 
for two minutes, the first two minutes from noon to 12.02, they covered all four of the remaining Final Four teams. You know what they did after that? Talk Duke, Duke and Zion. Duke. They talked. This is all about Zion and who was going to get the number one pick. Get up on ESPN with uh, Jalen Rose and the other guy talked about who had the biggest chance to get Zion, where they want him to go to Zion. You have four teams still playing. You do. Duke's gone. They're gone. Whatever. Throw them under the rug. I know. I know. We're ranting a little bit, but this will be the last time you hear us say something about it. Yeah. They continued about Zion and Zion and Zion. He. I've said it in the group. I've said it on here. He is the LeBron replacement for ESPN. So we just wanted to get that off our chest. The national media's went media silent over it. We're not. It is what. It, do you guys agree? It is real quick before we move on. It, it's a failed. It, Coach K failed. Yeah, when he failed this season. Duke yeah. failed. Mm-hmm. Yep, he dove. He gone. So let's move on. You mentioned get up. I was going to bounce to it, but let's go ahead. The other coach I was talking about, then the Midwest chance for a Final Four, two SEC teams playing, Kentucky and Auburn. Kentucky had already beat Auburn twice. Auburn would mention without Chumo Kiki. Kentucky jumps out 17-7. I'm thinking, hell yeah, let's go. We're, we're stout defensively. Tyler Heroes, Chase, and Brown and Harper. Kentucky leads by five or five or seven at halftime. I can't remember off the top of my head. Thirty-seven yeah. to thirty, I think, or thirty-five thirty-seven. Auburn does what they did all all tournament long. Second half, they come out, put a run together. They go on like a twelve-zero run, twelve to two run, take the lead, and then it bounces back and forth. Kentucky fights back late in the game. Auburn's up. Bryce Brown, by the way, went off. He had a hell of a game. Jared Harper goes off in overtime. I'm getting ready to get to. Uh, P.J. Washington hits a shot, put Kentucky up to. Nobody steps in front of Jared Harper. Harper goes to the rim, hits a shot. We go to overtime. In the overtime, it was all Auburn. Auburn jumped out early, held on late, knocked Kentucky out. Auburn goes to the first Final Four. I'm seriously happy for Auburn. Yeah. I said beforehand, I absolutely hated they have to play Kentucky because if not, I'd root for them in that game. Um, but it just so happens. And it's hard to beat a team three times in a year. And congratulations, they did it without Chumo Kiki. And um, I, I said it on Facebook, I'll not go on this big long rant, but these two have made theirs after both their teams got knocked out. So here's mine for Kentucky. We started the year off preseason ranked number two. Number one in some polls, but mostly number two behind Kansas. And there's a lot of expectations, especially after the way we started the, um, in the summer, we went and beat up a bunch of pro teams down in the Bahamas. And we got our bell clocked, or, you know, we got our bell rang first game of the year. Duke embarrassed us. We start off slow. We lose Seton Hall. And then we finally start to put it together. Um, nice wins over Utah, North Carolina, Louisville. Getting the conference play. Lose first from Alabama, then go on a big run. We're able to just smash up on Tennessee. Kentucky comes in as a two seed, um, a high two seed. And you get to the lead eight. Now, most years, that's a good thing, right? And, but not this one. This, we, I keep saying this is case by case. Uh, mostly Kentucky, you think of, especially before the year, like, oh, we got all this talent, final four or bust. And I feel like that's kind of the same with this one. Now, there's exceptions to the rules that Jamal Murray-led team, had they made it to the lead eight, it would have been a great season. That team just wasn't super deep or talented as much. Um, but they got beat in the second round by Indiana. This team, though, in the, in the seas, just like last year, the seas parted open. No offense to Auburn, but once North Carolina was out, the seas parted open. You had an easy coast to the Final Four. You didn't make it. 
the same way I said about Coach K and Duke, this is a failed season. It doesn't mean it wasn't fun. It doesn't mean this team wasn't good. Because I think this team was good. I think it's pretty good. Um, at times, they were really good. But we didn't make the Final Four. You had, end up having an easier path than what you thought. It's a failed season. I'm just sad because obviously the season's over and it hurts every time because you invest so much into a team and then it's done. Um, I'm sad to see Reed Travis go. He gave us so much in his one year. I thank you, Reed Travis, as a fan. Thank you. Um, Tyler Hero became one of my favorite cats of all time. I love the way he plays. And if you're done, sir, thank you. P.J. Washington becomes one of my favorite cats of all time. I love – he became such a great player this year, an All-American type kid, gives everything he's got, great leader. Thank you. Keldon Johnson, all these guys endeared to our heart, but it came down at the end – um, guard play killed us, too many turnovers. Ashton Hagens did not know what the hell he was doing with the basketball. And Auburn just red hot. And, you know, I'll just say it, and Kentucky fans can get mad at me. It kind of frustrates me yesterday to see, oh, we had such a great year. We had a good season, but it would end up just like Duke. It was a failure, just like North Carolina. It was a failed season. We didn't make the Final Four. It was a failed season with this team that had all the potential in the world and the seas parted and we didn't bust through it. Failed season. I'm not going to say Cal should be fired. That's ignorance. Absolute ignorance. But it was a failed season. I love the Cats. I always will, like these two have mentioned about their teams. And on the Auburn side, you think about this run. They went through Kansas, North Carolina, and Kentucky to make the final four. The three winningest programs of all time, and they eliminate all of us. I love Bruce Pearl. Hats off to Auburn in this program. I hope you win it all. And um, it's about all I can say to that. Will Quick, you mentioned Coach Cal, how you think he shouldn't be fired or anything like that. And someone else, I think Cook mentioned earlier about that get up thing. Jay Williams on there, and he posted about it on Twitter. And I completely agree to all the people, Kentucky fans, that's calling for Coach Cal and saying he should be fired and stuff like that, should not complain. Because under Calipari, Kentucky's had seven Elite Eights at UK, most in the country in span, 305 wins at Kentucky. And before Cal, UK had not reached a Final Four since 1998. How many years was that? It had been um, 13 years because they got it back in 2011. 13 years. That's crazy. He's a sec second winningest coach in U.K. history behind uh, Rupp. And he's been to four Final Fours. I don't think he's a great coach, but he's definitely not worse. I mean, there's other people who's worse. And he's a good coach, but if you fire him or if he leaves, which I'll talk about him in a little bit, if he leaves, you can get good coaches. But what if they're worse? Yeah, well, I ain't gonna worry about that. They just offered him a lifetime contract. Rumor is he's accepting it. But Tyler, I know you. This is good for you because you're not a Kentucky fan, whatever. But these people, the media rails on Coach Cal, and like we mentioned about Duke, the exact same situation in the past and nothing. What the hell? Like why? It's, I mean, there's a punching bag somewhere, and it just seems to be, as far as between these two, it's it's Cal. You know, this, this guy, like Peyton mentioned, he does produce. And like I mentioned before, it's incredibly hard to win this national championship. Incredibly hard. You just – people just don't understand how difficult it is. Whenever – I guarantee it right now, Coach Cal's talking to a recruit trying to get him to come in. Something is in the works to continue to get better for next year. 
And these people think, well, they're off for six months. No, they're not. They are not on TV for six months. You may see them once or twice in the summer when they're talking about pickup games or whatever, where they're trying to, you know, get a few kids to come play for them. But uh, this this is just this is just a punching bag. That's between the two. You got you got the old cat at the the high class university. You know, the more prestige university, if you want to say it. And then you got Cal over here in Kentucky. You know, one one of the the one of the best uh, programs of all time in itself as well behind, you know, not behind Duke, but as long with Duke, you, you should, they should be on the same, they should be on the same tier as far as what the, what you get. It's, it's like a presidential debate and it's, it's Democrat or Republican. One hates the other, the other hates that. And they just, they just pick it out and start nitpicking. I told, I said in the group before the lifetime thing came out, I said, this is Cal's job <clears throat> until he don't want it no more. And I still stand by it. And it just and it just showed that UK agrees with what I said that they offered them the lifetime. You don't. When have you ever heard of a lifetime? Yeah. <laughs> Never. Yeah. The, the guy just wins, and it's silly, all that ignorant stuff. And the one thing, real quick, because we got to speed this along. Um, the the UK fans, I think your fraternity people or whoever that did that bullshit sign for Chumo oh Kiki that you thought was funny, ignorance because you made us look bad. The reg- the ninety nine percent of us in the Big Blue Nation, you do that ignorant shit. So this is for you, and I know it's not appropriate, but that's for you because that's ignorance is all that is. And anybody who does that deserves that. Auburn fans or Auburn players said they seen it used as motivation. So screw you if you ever do something like that again. Take your big blue banner um, card that you claim and throw it out the window and go root for somebody else because you are not a Kentucky fan, and I'm calling you out for that. Um, congrats, Auburn. Yep. Congrats, Auburn. Beat, War beat, Eagle. Beat all three of our teams. I mean, not all three of ours, but beat Kentucky or Kansas. The three winning this programs of all time. Yeah, just nuts. <laughs> Incredible. Great for Bruce Pearl, first one. Who's going to join them? We've got half the field set. And real quick, Virginia-Purdue put on the best game of the tournament. Um, Carson Edwards, 42. Kyle Guy, back and forth. They were hitting shots. Purdue has the game won up to late with like a second, two seconds left. Virginia, or a little bit more than that. Virginia misses free throws. Ball gets tapped back. Um, Diakite hit the little floater at the buzzer, expires, sends the game overtime. Virginia wins. Uh, Tony Bennett, <laughs> after getting bounced by a 16 seed last year, Tony Bennett's made his first Final Four. Good to Virginia. Purdue, bravo. You had a hell of a year. One hell of a year. And the, we mentioned earlier, the future's bright in West Lafayette. We talk no about doubt. this being failures for some of these teams. This was absolutely the total opposite for Purdue. This is a, a performance that they can hang their hat on, that they can build off of. If they bring these cats back with Carson Edwards and company, if they can bring them back, they're going to do it again. Yeah. They are going to do it again. And this, I was watching this game, and I was letting my wife sleep, and I had my baby on my chest. And when he hit that tip in, I about threw her in the air. <laughs> I about did it. I was sitting there, and I, I just tensed. I was like, mm, don't wake her up. But that was – this was, by, hands down, for me, the best, most entertaining game to watch. And I couldn't scream during it. So it, well, that was something else, too. So that was pretty wild. Yeah, this was a crazy game. I had a lot of fun. I was literally on the edge of my seat watching it, especially late. And after D. Kite hit that floater to send it to overtime, it was a cool little moment because as they came back, it showed a it showed a uh, Carson Edwards, and those two were just laughing at each other, yeah. smiling. It was all fun and games. But. Carson Edwards had the best run I've ever seen in a game. Like hitting shot after shot. He was hitting them. They played Louisville. He was hitting them from Seymour and not touching the rim. Unbelievable. <laughs> shoop, shoop. Unbelievable performance. 
The other team, congratulations again, a new first-time Final Four coach. First time their school's been there as well. Texas Tech knocks off Gonzaga, 75-69. My coach of the year, Chris Beard, getting it done for Texas Tech, the Red Raiders, and we all three called that. We all three called Texas Tech in the Final Four. Defense prevailed. Um, good, on, hey, good on Texas Tech. So our Final Four field is set. Um, real quick, we will talk about that here soon. Real quick, um, women's, women's tournament, we was going to talk about that. Really, the Final Four field's not set two games tonight, but UConn did beat Louisville to avenge their loss earlier in the year. Um, you know, hats, off, hats off to the seniors on that Louisville team. Hats off to Asia Durr. What an incredible year she's had. She's a baller, and I hope she does well in the WNBA. And uh, I really hope Jeff Walls stays at Louisville and doesn't take the Tennessee job, which I think he will stay. But even if he does, hats off to him too. Bravo to Connecticut. They got through, got through revenge. Yeah. And uh, men's NIT is down to their final four. Lipscomb versus Wichita State. Texas versus TCU. Um, any – I call. I think I said last week Texas and Indiana would be in the final, so I'll stick with Texas. I've got them playing Wichita State, and I think uh, Shaka Smart gets a postseason championship, giving me Texas and uh, winning NIT. I said Lipscomb and Texas, and Lipscomb taking the W. I got Lipscomb, Texas, and I just I like Texas a lot. I like what they've done, so Texas with the NIT. Good deal. Um, yeah, we try to fit that in real quick. So before we move on, transition here. We've mentioned it before, but again, Applied Right Painting Services. Now they do everything for you guys. It's residential, commercial, new construction, repaints, anything you want. I, I said at the top of the show, if you're, if you're wanting some work done, this is the guy to do it. He can do it all. He's doing good work. I, I like to dabble in stuff with construction as well, and, and I'm very nitpicky, but what I see with JR and his crew is what I like. I like the way he's doing it. If you want pictures, go go to his Facebook page, find JRO. You can find him in the group and link it that way. If you want pictures another way, send it my way, and I'll get it to you. Uh, also, if you, if you decide that this is something you want to do and mention, that uh, ECB sent you to JR, we get a 5% kickback as well from this. You know, J JR is our main sponsor. He, is, he does big things for us, big contributor in the group. So if, if you're looking for something to be done, you know, just a little, I know pain, pain sucks, <coughs> and, and he's got a niche for it. So if you're, you're looking for something to go, find JR Rowe, or if you're looking for anything, as far as painting, get a hold of Applied Right Painting Services. Also, they serve the Indianapolis and surrounding areas, including Avon, Columbus, Fishers, Greenwood, and Zionsville. So, like I said, uh, the, what these guys mentioned, Applied Right Painting Services, um, call for your uh, free quote today and get free estimates. Applied Right Painting Services is the only place you need for all your painting needs. With that being said, we're going to take a quick pause for a cause. We'll be back, talk a little Final Four action.
As promised, we're back. Final Four preview. And if you notice something, we did a set change real quick. We were back. We're sitting at the one and only ECB table of the minds here, guys. The round table discussion. This is what we've been building up for all year long. We got some new stuff coming behind you right here, and right here's part of it. Look at this. Look at this beautiful shiny thing. That's right. Noah was able to hook us up in between segments. Yeah, I ran outside, pulled off the trailer, and got it in here, boys. We're ready to go. <laughs> but Josh, go ahead and take off with this final four preview. We East got going. ain't got nothing on us. They got them glass tables, son. This is straight oak wood, or whatever. Crafted, I don't even, crafted, I don't even know. crafted from Mike Cook himself. <laughs> um, Tyler kind of alluded to it as far as this is what we've been working all year for. We are at the final four. Minneapolis, hold on because you've got the NCAA men's final four coming at you. We've spent all year since November until now to finally get to it. And my first initial reaction when you look at these games, you've got Michigan State versus Texas Tech. You've got Virginia versus Auburn. And outside of Auburn, who plays good defense, we look at the other three teams, the theme of this Final Four for me is defense prevails. Lockdown. You know, we talk about – we've been talk, I've been talking about personally Virginia. Virginia, Virginia, on how well I like this team. I've been riding these guys all year long. I've watched more games. This is the second most team I've watched all year behind my boys. These guys I watched, I listened. I hope you guys listen to me as well. Virginia is the real deal here. You mentioned defense. Fun little fact here. The Final Four has two projected top ten draft picks, three coaches who've never been before, and the most efficient defense yet since Keen Palm started 18 years ago. Which would be Virginia, correct? Or Texas Tech? Texas Tech's been number one in defense. Like, but I think they're talking about Virginia. They're talking about, no, they're talking about all around. Oh, oh, I've got it. Well, because yeah, because Virginia, Virginia's three, Texas Tech's one. I think Michigan State's somewhere top ten. I'd Michigan have to State's look. seventh. I would seventh. seventh. And Auburn's, Auburn played good defense to get to here. They, I didn't mention against Kentucky. It wasn't their offense that won the game, really. It was their defense. They played damn good D. They forced mm -hmm. Kentucky to drive middle instead of baseline. So, um Defense prevails. Um, you mentioned three first-time coaches. Um, of course, Mr. March is back there again. And it's really up wide open. At the beginning of this thing, you would thought you'd see Duke. I mean, Virginia was a favorite to get there, but you'd see Duke, Carolina, Carolina or Kentucky, yeah. Gonzaga. Tennessee. But this is so wide open now that you honestly, any, you can theorize any of the four teams winning the title at this point. Yeah, I had one team – that I predicted to be in the Final Four, and that's it. I have all four. I only, had one I only team, have Texas Tech. Tech as well. I, Texas I had Tech. Texas Tech and Virginia. Now, if, if you took these games and you played them on a Monday and a Tuesday, and then, and then if you went back and you played them on a Saturday and a Monday, you'd have totally different outcomes every time. Yep. Absolutely. This isn't a 9 out of 10 type game where, you know, Duke's playing a 16 seed, nine, 99 out of 100 times they'd win, so on and so forth. This This is the type of Final Four you want to see. This is what you want. This is what you need. You know, you got new faces, and then you got, <laughs> then you got Goliath as far as March. Tom Izzo and the Sparties taking on Texas Tech, and then Virginia, Virginia and Auburn is going to be a very interesting matchup. We've always said too that defense carries no matter what. You can have a bad shooting night and still win a game because your defense locks down, scores points for you, or can you keeps the other team from scoring. 
But and that's not, that's not been more true than this Final Four with these teams that we've alluded to. Now, before we get into our breakdowns, we asked you on uh, ECB on our Facebook group to go ahead and leave your predictions for the Final Four and beyond. And um, we'll give you a little shout-out, read them on, so we'll hold true to our word. Um, we did this last week with shout-outs and bank on it. Yep. Leading it off, we talked about Applied right Painting Services. Well, our good friend and um, owner, I, JR, I think you're the owner, or whatever you have in title for the Applied Right, JR Rowe <laughs> says, Texas Tech versus Auburn for the championship. That would be interesting. Two first-time coaches had battling it out. Um, be very interesting. Shane Roberts says, Auburn, hottest team in it. They don't shoot that bad from deep again, meaning they the Kentucky game, they didn't shoot the ball as great outside of Bryce Brown. Yeah. Um, and I think he's definitely right. Auburn's by far the hottest team in this thing. Every bit of it. Yeah, and that Kentucky game. Like a 12-game win streak right now. In that Kentucky game, they went 7 from 23 from 3. Does be, we'll get into it, but does Auburn not remind you of the UConn team with Kimba Walker? As hot as they got. But they got two Kimbas yeah, and Harper and Brown. <laughs> they do. They do. And they've got a better big man in the middle than what UConn had. But that, that, their run was similar to UConn. Oh, yeah. Very That's a very similar. good comparison. Um, Tim Foster, love to see a Tech and Auburn game, but I think it'll be Virginia and Michigan State. For some reason, I think Tony Bennett will get his team to will their way to win, which will bring a storyline from being the first number one seed to lose to a 16 and the next year winning the national championship. That's very interesting and very, very plausible right now. How many, how crazy that be a two year, or a year span? However you want, two year year span of one year the you're a one seed and you lose to a sixteen. <clears throat> Next year with the, pretty much the same roster, you bounce back, and win the national title. Yeah, no, what that's, a bounce back. That's what a Disney cartoon movie is all about. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. that's the you true get story tore up and then you turn right it there. around and you bring it back home. That's the true story of redemption. Right Every there. bit. Um, Travis Tubbs says. Since I was 0-4 yesterday, I will pick Michigan State versus Virginia because I would like to see Texas Tech for Auburn, or versus Auburn. It's a little reverse psychology there. Yeah, I see what he's doing. Uh, Mark Perry would love to see a Texas Tech-Auburn final as well, but I'm afraid Auburn season as well as Texas Tech comes to an end. Michigan State over Virginia in the championship. Got a little love for Sparty and uh, Mr. Tom Mizzo. Um, Peyton's friend Hunter Dean. Yeah, he says, Auburn and Michigan State, I feel like Texas Tech can't handle Winston. That's very possible. We will I mean, get in that. That's very interesting. Winston's really good, but don't oversell Texas Tech's defense. Exactly. Um, our good friend Johnny Stroud, Tyler. Oh, Mr. Johnny. Michigan State versus Virginia in the final, and Izzo gets his second banner. Seems to be a common theme here. And uh, Mr. Connor McCabe, or McCabe, or I call him McCabe. You call him McCabe. Watch out for Auburn. Um, they're getting what do you say? They're getting it at the right time. I, I'm just gonna, probably getting hot at the right time. They're yeah, playing really I think well that's right what now. he meant, but yeah. autocorrected. We got they're you, Connor. We got right. you. We got you, homie. Which he's absolutely right. Mission, all right Auburn's on fire right now. Um, so let's go ahead and get into it, fellas. Um, start off, Michigan State and Texas Tech, two really good defenses. Michigan State, always great rebounding, led by a, um, a true leader on the floor, Cassius Winston. Cassius is a guy that will go get you 20 and 10 every night. Um, McQuaid can shoot, the, the white boy McQuaid, yep. dead-eye shooter. Um, underrated athletic. He had some plays in that Duke game, though, some of the most athletic players on the uh, plays on the floor, and you had Zion on the floor. Yes, sir. Underrated athletic. Um, Nick Ward down low is an absolute handful down low. Um, 
Aaron Henry, the young man who Izzo ripped his ass and everybody created this outcry. Oh, not everybody. A couple people at Pansy's created this outcry. Oh, he, he shouldn't be doing that. And what's Henry do? Responds to his coach, plays tremendous ball the rest of the tournament. And Probably the best still, game of the year for himself. Still yeah. loves his coach, respects him. And when they make the Final Four, you Pansy's trying to ruin everything in the world. Get over it. Yeah, we'll click on that. And I wholeheartedly believe on this. If your coach isn't, isn't screaming at you or getting into your ass to play better, he doesn't care about you. And I wholeheartedly believe that. My whole career, my whole time playing basketball, I've had coaches who get into me, and I didn't care. I didn't pout. I didn't go cry to my mom or anything like that. I came back and played my heart out because I knew I knew he wanted me to be the best Peyton I, best Peyton I can, and I knew he wanted me to succeed, and I knew he cared about me. So... And one person said on Twitter that he hopes these type of coaches goes away. That's Just that one up. idiot that started the firestorm. Just shut up. Calls himself a coach, too, but he – whatever. Whatever. If coaches like this go away, we're not going to have the quality of basketball that we have right yeah. now. And, and the quality of basketball is going down compared to what it was back in the day. I know everybody's just, oh, you just say that. No, it's not. If you go back and you look, you look at the night era, you, look, you, you get fundamental – Tough nose, hard nose basketball. In the NBA, you talk about Larry and Magic, hard nose basketball. That's what it was about. And you, you need someone to get into you like Izzo. It hap- I mean, you still see it. Coach K gets into people. Roy Williams gets into people. But this one instance came, out, came to light for some ungodly reason. Who cares? He, he retaliated or he reacted in a very positive way. Mm-hmm. 20 points, eight rebounds, six assists in that game where he got in trouble. But as far as that goes, you know, coming into this game with uh, Michigan State and Texas Tech, this, this is a game that, that anybody would love to watch as far as a matchup, as far as defense and offense. Yeah, these games, if they're any, by the way, if they're anything like the Sweet 16 matchups and Lead 8 matchups, Oh, my goodness. We're in for a treat. We're in for a very good treat. But I can see all these teams winning. I can see Michigan State defeating Texas Tech. I can see Texas Tech defeating Michigan State. Yeah, let's just stay on this one for now. Let's just stay on it. I'm going to. And it's very interesting because I can see them both winning these games. Texas is the best defensive team in the nation, in my opinion, number one in defensive efficiency, and uh, have a star player in Jared Culver to back them up. MSU is a great defensive team as well. They're seventh in Ken Palm in defensive efficiency and fifth in offensive too. So they're good on both sides of the floor. And they have a star player in Cassius Winston and a Hall of Fame level coach in Tom Izzo. This matchup is interesting. Uh, I think whoever can score 60 points wins this game. You mean the first one to score 60? Yeah, sorry. First one to score 60 points wins this game. It's going to be close. I'm very excited to see this game, honestly. Tyler, what's your favorite stat? You've said it over and over. At least the stat that you look at first. Winning the basket. Winning the rebounds. Tom Tom Izzo led Michigan State teams always or always do or win the backboard. Uh, Oh, I guess I should say always. I'd say at least 90%. He's known for the war drill where they put football helmets and shoulder pads on in practice and fight for rebounds. Um, So I really think the key for Texas Tech, number one is you limit your live ball turnovers. If meaning if you throw a bad pass and it gets stolen, it leads to a bucket. If you're going to have turnovers, Dead ball turnovers, travel, double dribble, anything that allows you to go back, set up your nasty defense. Live ball turnovers kill you. Number two, 
Somebody besides Jarrett Culver needs to hit shots. I'm looking at the what's his name, Benedini kid, the Italian kid, Moretti, Moretti, Moretti. I'm looking at him to be able to knock down some shots, really help out Jarrett Culver. Um, Texas Tech needs to hit some outside shots to to get Michigan State spread out a little bit. And third for Texas Tech, and what I'm getting to, you need to be even on the glass. You can't lose the boards. You definitely can't lose them in the high rate. And more importantly, you need to be even on the offensive glass. If Michigan State starts pounding you and getting second, third, fourth opportunities, or you don't get second and third opportunities yourself, Michigan State will beat you in a submission. I text these guys before, beforehand before we came to record. Yep. This is a bad matchup for Texas Tech. And what I say about that, Texas Tech, they will get up and score, but they prefer a methodical defensive cluster of a game. Um, you've seen what they did to Michigan, 44 points. They only scored 63 themselves. This is the wrong team to do this against because Michigan State plays in the Big Ten. They are used to muck it up, physical, grind it out type games. You're playing with fire with Michigan State. Plus, they have more offensive firepower than Texas Tech does right now. And I know Texas Tech just played Gonzaga, the number one um, offensive efficiency rated team pretty much all year in Ken Palm. I understand that. But if you're playing possession for possession, you're playing in the mud, slinging mud with a team like Michigan State, Michigan State's going to win eight times out of ten. I think this is a bad matchup for Texas Tech. Everything factors in. I like I like State by about five. We all got our own opinions. It's okay. It's all right. <laughs> but as far as another team that I followed pretty extensively this year was, was Texas Tech. You know, they had a little falter there midway through the season. Uh, Michigan State's doing everything that they need to do right now to continue to win. But but I, I think they hit their high. I, I think they hit their high with Duke, which they had to to beat this team. But I believe they were talking the whole time from the Texas Tech and the Gonzaga game. Texas Tech can't keep hitting this type of game. They can't keep running like this. They ain't going to be able to score like this. Well, they did. They've done it more than just against Gonzaga, who Josh just mentioned that they are the number one offensive team in all stats pretty much on Ken Palm. Yep. You beat a team like that who has better offensive players, you know, more high-caliber players, in my opinion, in Gonzaga. I, I just see the Red Raiders going only not only to their first Final Four that they've already made, but to their first national championship. I think it's very fair, by the way. Oh, yeah. I think, I think it's very fair. I just think that the state matchups – I think they'd fare better against Auburn than they would against Michigan State. We'll put it that way. I, I wouldn't give this a 60-40 spread to, to either team. I'm, no, this no. Is, this is that close of a matchup. No, yeah. I think it would definitely – since I say state wins, I would say state like 52%, Texas Tech 48 And that's that's probably as wide of a spread you're going to get it. Greg, I bet you Greg Peterson's probably only have it that way too. Probably. Probably. Uh, I can, like I said earlier, I can see both teams winning. One thing Michigan State has that Texas Tech really doesn't have, Michigan State's played a team like Texas Tech before. They've played Michigan, what, three times? And yeah, they swept them three. all. And Texas Tech did just beat Michigan, held them to, what, 44 points. But key fact in this game, who's one of my favorite players in the nation? Jarrett Culver. Jarrett Culver, he's going to have a hell of a game. I see him having about... 
25 points or more, eight rebounds, four assists, something like that. I Ooh. like the Red Raiders coming. And his Shoot, shoulders, buddy. like all year, it's got to be broad because he's got to carry the team. And there are, we have seen the Moretti kid, and there's others. There's Mooney who, who's going to be able to hit. Yeah, th- there's others who make plays for Texas Tech. But you got to think one aspect in both these games and in the national championship to keep in mind. These are always brand new rims, brand new everything when yeah. you set up for the final four. This brand new, because you have to build the set, right? The other sites, for the most part, have had basketball played on them. Like the Yum Centers, obviously played all season. So one key factor, shooting, for the most part, it seems like in these final four is always down. Mm-hmm. New rims, new everything. And in a dome, your peripherals, a lot of people don't think about your line of sight, your peripherals, when you're shooting a free throw, it's not just fans looking right here at you in a closed, like, gym or arena. Like, you see out wide, your peripherals, you see everything in this open space, and statistics have shown it messes with free throw percentage, shooting, everything. So if a team's not shooting the ball well, then it comes down to rebounding and attacking the rim. That's why I just, I'd like Michigan State in a matchup like <clears throat> this. That's a great point. And you said you like Michigan State in a matchup like that. I actually think that favors Texas Tech more because if Michigan State's not hitting shots, Texas Tech's going to defend them really well and make them attack the rim or try to do something, get to the free throw line. And I think that favors Texas Tech yeah, just but, a little bit. But State's not a, an all-three-point shooting team. State attacks the rim. No, yeah, I know. State attacks the rim. So that's a wash, and that's why I think State wins it on the backboard more than anything. Mm-hmm. We'll and, see. And Texas Tech, they protect the rim really well too, so – if if you're not there's Cassius Winston's a great player, but he's not going to have a, a Carson Edwards type performance, and I think that's what they're going to need from somebody as far as them, them keying in on on individual. It's just going it's going to have to be someone breaking. I mean, completely out. Car, Cassius is a twenty and ten guy, like we mentioned, but he's going to need he's going to need more than that. One in, thing, in we, my opinion. Sorry, one thing we didn't mention in that Gonzaga game where they won was that block that dude had, and he saved it in bounds, but oh, his yeah. foot was out of bounds, and they didn't call it, which it's controversial. They got live they with didn't it. Calling it, but yeah, I'm going with it too. That was still a hell of a block. Yeah. So that's first half of the Final Four. The other half, Virginia against the red hot Auburn Tigers. Virginia is obviously the pack line defense. Um, Kyle Guide, Ty Jerome, and um, DeAndre Hunter. DeAndre Hunter. Yeah. These guys and the Diakite is a rim protector. You have the Salt Kid, Salt. big, big solid body that just rebounds the fins. And then Auburn without Okiki, still scoring the ball. What I said about the rims could come back to hurt Auburn, this pack line. But if Auburn hits, this is the big if. If Auburn hits, the key, like I've always said against the pack line, hit threes, make Virginia spread out, and then you attack them <coughs> off of a dribble drive or vice versa. Uh, as fast as Auburn is with that backcourt could put Virginia in spots. And Virginia's played with fire, too, now. Played with fire against Oregon, played with fire against Purdue. Per- Duke played with fire against UCF and Virginia Tech and ended up finally catching them. Man, I, in my heart of hearts, I want to see Auburn makes a national championship. I really am pulling for Bruce Pearl and the Auburn Tigers to win it all. I just think it's destiny for Virginia in this matchup to smother <clears throat> Auburn, keep them mucked up, keep them grounded. Auburn's going to hit some threes. Auburn will get out and transition a little bit, but I think it's finally the loss of Okiki comes back to haunt them. I like Virginia just to do what Virginia always does, find a way to win. 
Um, even if it's close to the end, you know a guy like Kyle Guy, no pun intended, is going to hit a shot. I think Virginia finds a way. This game is tough for me because Auburn has not faced a team quite like Virginia yet. And one of Virginia's big weaknesses is if teams hit threes on them, they're, it's terrible for them. RJ Barrett and Duke, they hit a little bit of threes on them, and they end up winning that game. But if Auburn, Auburn is going to shoot the ball better than what they did in Kentucky, in the Kentucky game. They went 7 for 23 from three-pointers in that game. Auburn needs to hit at least 15 threes to have a chance, in my opinion. I think even though they beat Kentucky with not shooting the ball well, a team like Virginia, who doesn't defend the three really well, actually they do, but if teams hit it, they're not very good for Virginia. Purdue went 14 from 32 from deep and nearly beat them in overtime. Probably should have, but whatever. Kyle Guy is a great scorer, and <clears throat> I don't know if people realize this, but back in the game thread for that Virginia and Purdue game, people were hauling, uh, complaining about how Kyle Guy was so open on some of those shots. If you just watch him, he's a great off-ball screen. He can run those off-ball screens better than anyone in the nation, in my opinion. They, they do a tremendous flare screen for Kyle Guy. They start him up top. He passes the ball, and it's like a little up flare screen that gets him down in the corner wide open. Yeah, he's great on off-ball situations. Just watch how hard he runs off those screens. It's easy for him to get open and hit those shots. He shoots 45% from three. And it's hard to guard a player like that. But it's going to be a tough matchup for both teams. I like Virginia winning this one. Say it one more time. Virginia. Okay. I'm just making sure. Just back backtracking a little bit. You said it just wasn't the type of play. Well, they could be wrong. I'm just ribbing at you. you, yeah, know, I, get you know, I'm no, a, I get it. I'm a little punk sometimes. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, we got – wouldn't it be just, just a magical thing to see two teams that's never been there Play for to, to, to play for a national title, you know, you got Bruce Pearl, who's just one of the the he's the Chris Farley of of the NCAA did, coaching yeah. corral. Did you see him too after Chuma and after the post game oh, after beating North Carolina? He started crying, couldn't. I mean, it, so, good so, redemption for Bruce a, Pearl. A very genuine guy. Auburn played fantastic ball the first two rounds against Kentucky. They played inspired basketball because of Okiki coming in. You know the the stupid ass sign that was made. They came inspired, but I believe the luck runs out here, not only because of how high I am on Virginia, but I just I do, I have not seen a team in a long, long time play at such a high level offensively. You mentioned the uh, the rims being tight and all this shit, but I don't think the rims being tight are going to affect Harper and Brown. These guys are just they're just pure scores. They, you can take them out. You could take them out to the Park and Rec in Edinburgh. They get buckets. You could you could take them to Minneapolis. They're going to get buckets. But I do not think that they're going to get as many as they need against Virginia and and Kyle Guy. You know, you want to talk about Kyle Guy coming off screens. If if you want a type of a comparison as far as players coming around screens and picking and pops and stuff, you can look at a Jimmer Fredette. Mm-hmm. You can That's look good. at it. You can look at a JJ Redick. And JJ and Jimmer are still doing it. Jimmer just got his opportunity to come back over here after averaging seventy nine points a game in China. But uh, you know, you, you got a player. He's not he's not that caliber of a shooter, but he is that caliber of a worker. And I think that behind Kyle Guy and an Indiana native, you know, you know, repping Indiana where we're from. It's it's something that I think that Virginia needs after last year and all this stuff. So I believe Virginia in a very close one, very low scoring as well, takes Auburn out. 
You know who this Auburn team reminds me of? And you say Connecticut earlier, and that's a great comparison with Kimball Walker. And this might be a little homerism, but I don't care. This team reminds me of the 2013 Louisville squad. The whole thing going on with Kevin Ware getting injured, snapping his leg, and um, the way their guards have, because Louisville had Kevin – well, not Kevin Ware, had Russ Smith, and they had Luke Hancock and go get buckets, and they had, like, Gorgia Diang. It's, it reminds me of that squad, honestly. I respect that. I understand, like, the situation. But the only thing that they have in <clears throat> common, in my opinion, is the injury. Um, that Louisville team, I think you need to remember, too, that they were one of the two best teams all year with Indiana. That team was loaded. Um, so the only thing to me that really similar is the injuries in the tournament. But, I, I mean, that's fine. Um, but there you go. So we, in the championship game, I have – Virginia and Michigan State, and you want to say, well, I don't think Tom Izzo's great until he only has one banner or one title. Well, here you go, doubters, because I like Sparty to figure out Virginia. Uh, I've mentioned all the reasons why I think Izzo's great and why this Michigan State team defends, rebounds. They're going to hit just enough shots. I think they're deeper than Virginia. Give me Tom Izzo for his second national championship. I got Texas Tech. Facing off against Virginia, two teams who's never been into a national title game. I think it's going to be a definitely a defensive battle. Number one versus number three or four. And it's going to be a good game. But Jared Culver is one of my favorite players. And I like Tech winning the national title. We all got different ones here, guys, I think. Who'd you pick, Josh? Michigan State. Michigan State, Texas Tech. I have Texas Tech versus Virginia. Virginia got bounced the first time ever, 16 over a one last year. I think this is the perfect Cinderella story. They're going to put the icing on the cake. They're going to blow the candle out on this one. This is probably going to be the coolest story in college basketball in such a long time. You go from worst to first. It's just, hmm. just going to be – I mean, not, not literally worse, but the worst loss to turn around and win on the big dance. I see Virginia. I like Culver as well. They're a Big 12 team. I love it. But I just think that Virginia is more established right now as a team. Uh, they don't have the – they can't spread the scoring out as much as uh, Virginia can. And they're, they're not used to that gritty uh, lower scoring games. Texas Tech is a little bit higher scoring. Mm-hmm. And I, I think it, the lower the scoring, the better uh, chance Virginia has. And Virginia's going to have another, another chance to have an Oregon-type performance, 53, 55 points, and they're going to win this one. They might be the most – and I mean this with all due respect. They might – if Virginia wins, it might be the most boring team – but it's just because they're so good defensively. Visibly. And, uh, off, and they, yes. don't, they don't try to, like, push it and transition. That's all I mean. Exactly. So. No, I agree. So, with that said, you've heard it here first. Final four uh, preview. And our we've all three got, like we did originally in the tournament, we've all three got three different national champions. Texas Tech, Michigan State, Virginia. We all love Auburn. We all love the Auburn story. And I'm pulling openly for Auburn. I just think it's, um, it's a bad matchup. Bad matchups. With that said, um, we're going to take one final pause for a cause, and when we come back, we're going to start wrapping things up. We'll catch you on the other side. We got a game plan, and we put it in a bag. We try to feel fans, y'all a game that we spend. And not the rubber bands, yeah, I know it sounds crazy. But we ain't trying to get rich, homie, yeah, you know it. Trying to live a good life, living the dream without a
bob your head and smile and say, man, this song's a banger. But it's easier said than done, especially when you're alone with the funds and working your butt off producing this music you're doing because it's what you love and all you want is a buzz. Eventually getting your break in the club and rocking the mic for the people and shit with the shit and we're back hey we got some news for you guys some coach hirings and firings and stuff like that so i'm gonna send it to you josh take yeah, it away this is that wacky time of the year where um Coaching, we've already seen some firings now, like some hirings are actually taking place. Um, I actually think last week the news was all about firings, to be honest, it um, was. or coaches being released or whatever. But we do have some hirings, coaches in uh, new landing spots. And the first, they're all big ones too, in their own ways. Nebraska hires the mayor, Fred Hoiberg. Oh boy. Former um, Iowa State head man and Chicago just Bulls. Last coach, Chicago Bulls. That is a fan, that's an A plus hire for Nebraska. Nebraska is another team, no offense, Cornhusker Nation, but you're not basketball royalty. You're not even on the map. No, they, they play at 100 yards. They don't play at 94 feet. That's right. <laughs> you, you're not, like, even on the map. Um, there's mid-majors that's got better um, history. But this, I'm telling you right now, Fred is a great coach. He's going to play a fast – you've seen it in Iowa State. He's going to play a fast system. You're going to shoot a lot of threes. He's going to bring players in in Nebraska because of the whole one, they'll want to play for him, two, they'll want to play in the Big Ten. So you're going to start bringing in stars you've never seen, like four stars. I don't know if he'll get any fives yet, but you're going to bring in some really good four stars, some good three stars, some good. He loves, loves the transfers. Good Lord. How many players at Iowa State did he have that became superstars that would transfer in? Oh, I hated it. Transfer? I hated it. Um, and you've seen what he did at Iowa State against the likes of Kansas. Um, so that's an A-plus hire. Nebraska, within three years, once he starts getting some of his guys in, Nebraska, they might not win the Big Ten, but they're going to start getting to where they finish in the top four, top five of the Big Ten and making maybe sweet 16s. Mm-hmm. Yeah. They could do it. That's, what Hoy, do you guys Hoy, Hoyberg is, is <clears throat> one of the most – one of my favorite coaches that I hate <laughs> because because <laughs> of how well he did against Kansas at Iowa State. But I can't. There's, that's the only reason why I don't like him. He does he does everything else perfect. I and he he went up to the big leagues and he did okay. But he's like you know college is my thing, so I'm coming back down. And I wouldn't have I wouldn't have picked Nebraska. I mean, as far as like for him going there, not me personally. I wouldn't I wouldn't pin him as a Nebraska guy. Maybe UCLA, maybe somewhere well. like that. But. This, this is a shocking hire, but it's an amazing hire for Nebraska. Well, this is the thing. He was linked to UCLA, and for Nebraska, they get him. I mean, he must just love the Midwest, like, because being yeah. from Iowa. Um, yeah, Tornado Valley, I don't know what that's all about. Yeah, but <laughs> you, you guys know the style he liked to play at Iowa State. It's going to be fast. It's going to be loose. It's going to be fun. They're going to shoot a bunch of threes. Nebraska, in a couple years, once he starts getting his system and players, they're going to be a problem. Quite the opposite of the Big Ten type of play. Oh, grinding out, gritty, like sometimes can be real ugly, but it's going to be fast and loose in that conference. It's going to be interesting to see how that style is going to work against Big Ten. What would you grade this higher? I give it an A-plus for Nebraska. By these standards, getting Fred Hoiberg's an A-plus. There's there's no other grade other than an A-plus. A-plus-plus. So and in um, California, one of the worst, maybe the worst Power Five school in the nation. Remember, we railed them this year. 
they were like over in conference and then finally got a win. Just bad, right? Yep. Obviously, they they fired their coach, looking for a new one, and they hired Georgia former not Georgia, sorry. <laughs> oh yeah, former Georgia head man, former Nevada head man, Mark Fox. Mark Fox is a tremendous coach. He will do good things at California if given time. He's not the type of coach like a John Calipari or even like a Fred Hoiberg. He's not that type that's going to come in and change your program in one season. He'll get good recruits. He'll sneak in a four-star here and there. He might even get a five-star. Well, actually, he had Ashton Hagen signed up to come to Georgia, five-star. Yeah. He left, and Hagen's reopened his commitment or opened his recruiting because he didn't want to play for Tom Crean, went to Kentucky. So he'll get some recruits in California. Um, that's a that's a place too that you should be able to eat up out in that area. But it's going to be a process. It'll be like a four or five year deal to get California back to relevancy. But uh, <clears throat> Mark Fox is a tremendous tremendous X and O coach. Um, really knows the game, and I think it's a good hire. I would give it a grade of for California. I'd give it a grade of a B B plus. Yeah, with a hiring like that and Mark Fox going to California, a big-time um, school in um, Pac-12, this is a good hire, but you, like you said, you need to be patient. Four or five years, it's going to take a process. Don't do a Vander, what was it, Vanderbilt did. Fire through after like three two, years. Three years when he had players like Darius Garland and people like that. Just trust the process, honestly. I know that's a fun thing that Joel and Embiid likes to say, but it's really to take yeah, trust the process. You know, you just like you said, it's everybody watches these shows and they watch a house get flipped in 30 minutes on HGTV when it takes three months. You know, it's the same thing with this. You you got to give guys an opportunity to get players in and build that their, their build their system. You know, it's as as far as Cal, they have nowhere else to go but up. With Mark Fox, I think they took an extra step. I think they skipped a step on the rail here, and it's a very good hire for Cal. Yeah, I would. I gave mine. I'd said a B. Oh, I forgot. Sorry. Uh, B, yeah, B minus. I'll say B plus on it. I think I'm pretty high with Mark Fox. Yeah, I, I, I don't know why Georgia originally fired him in the first place. Um, coach, coach, actually, John Calipari came out, was against it. He's like, why are we firing coaches who are really good like that? But mm-hmm. it's neither here nor there. Um, another hire, Alabama, within, or I mean, inside the SEC, hires um, Nate Oates from Buffalo. Nate Oates is a good coach. Um, you've seen what the Buffalo's success the last few seasons tournament teams top 25 really good players um it's not a home run hire for alabama alabama i thought could get a more high profile name but it is a good hire nate oates is a very good coach a younger coach so you have some youth on your side and the the next you know the next coach k cal perry is a whoever you know it's got to start somewhere, so maybe this will be that guy and could be lead Alabama basketball for the next 40 years or whatever to prominence. Um, I give it – I'll stick with it. I give it a B. <clears throat> I think it's a good hire. Not a great hire for Alabama, but a good hire, and I think Nate Oates has a good shot of doing something. I'll give it a B as well. It's not a bad hire, but maybe could have gotten better. I don't know. Trust, trust the process. Give him time to succeed. Yeah, Alabama's always going to live under the football's uh, big thumb there, but they're they're turning around. They've had some big games this year. They've won some big games, and and they're they're trying to trying to up the ante here in the SEC. And I, I think they got a good hire here. The, the first win by already by uh, Nate Oates, by the way, is that uh, originally when they fired Avery, Avery Johnson or he left or however you want to look at it, that 
Kyra Lewis Jr., the 17-year-old, that's a really good point guard, had put his name in the transfer portal. Yeah. And so did John Petty, former five-star kid. Nate Oates has already, within his first couple days, got John Petty to stay at Alabama. It's his first win. Good start for him. Um, just came out today, too, not long before we came here to record. Rick Bird decides to retire from Belmont. Okay, thank you. Belmont um, is a good job for somebody. He's built that program pretty much from scratch. Belmont is a good mid-major job. But I think in the short term, unless they hire somebody with a big name value, like a Bryce Drew or something, I think short-term Belmont struggles. Yeah, I think, I think so it really too. hurts them. I think so, too. I mean, they made the tournament, and I thought they'd go decently far, maybe Sweet 16. And, yeah, that's, uh, that sucks to him retiring, but it's all good. You know, it's just it's, it's his time. You know, sometimes you just want to take a step back. And I, I can't knock a guy for wanting to retire. This yeah. is, you know, you, you want to ride off in the sunset, and this, this is probably a good time for him. Yeah. Um, again, with the wacky season with coach firings and hirings, we do have this is a time where people start declaring for the NBA draft. Three draft decisions came out within the last 24 hours. Nasir Little from North Carolina, no surprise, uh, put his name in and officially in a statement said that his, even though he said something like along the time, or lines of, although my career as a Tar Heels ended, so it tells me he's hiring an agent. Yep. Um, Sir Little, a top 10 prospect. Uh, everybody expected him to go anyways. So, Nasir Little off to the NBA. Honestly, my honest opinion, I thought he should stay for another year, but I get it. Money situations, you being a lottery pick, I totally get it. I'm not saying it's a bad decision, but he didn't have the best year. And I thought he would, someone like him would benefit staying another year. Nah, I think his draft, unless he came out and had an All-American type year, his draft stock only goes further. A kid like that who came in already a top five prospect has already slipped to like ninth or something. <laughs> nah, you go. That's I can agree with both. Like you said, he didn't have the greatest year. But coming in, I think he could, I think he could benefit from another year because he'd get a, you know, be more experience, be a better player coming out. And, and he, he has the opportunity to do that if he came back to become an All-American type player. But you got to go where the money's at, and, and I can't fault him for running to it. So I, I can agree with both of you, but I, I think it's a smart move for him to go ahead and get out of the way. Yeah, another decision that really comes as no surprise. He was injured half the year, former five-star prospect, uh, Bowl Bowl. As soon as Oregon season ended um, to Virginia the other night, he declared for the draft. He is hiring an agent. He did say that much. Bull Bull is a guy I think is on the in, inside the lottery, maybe just right outside. He's going to be a first-round talent. I mean, he's a seven-foot guy that shoots threes regularly. Scrawny as a rail, but um, he can really score, dynamic, run the floor, shot block. So you remember his dad, Minute Bull, seven, yeah, five, seven, six, seven, seven, whatever Washington he was. Washington Bullets. So <laughs> he's got a pedigree. He was only there for one <clears throat> year anyways. Only played half season because of an injury. So no surprise there. Yeah, no, yeah, no surprise. My Shaquille O'Neal Award winner, Bowl Bowl, go out there and do you something, big guy. <laughs> now here's one. This kid is, I don't know what he's rated as far as NBA draft stock, but he's a really good player in college. Um, Horton Tucker from Iowa State has declared. I don't know if he's hired an agent or is planning to, but if he maybe he's just testing the waters. But if he decides to stay in the draft, I think that's a big loss for Iowa State. This kid, this yeah. Horton Tucker kid, I've watched him a couple of good times, and he is a pivotal piece for this team. 
he he can do it all. He can score. He can defend. He's got such he's got such a long wingspan too. He he could be a Trevor Ariza type in the in the next level at full potential. I'm not saying he's going to hit it, but at full potential, like I see a Trevor Ariza type career with this guy, a journeyman defensive guy, maybe get him a championship. I I, I like the move. We'll see. We'll see. I think it's a good move too. Hmm. We'll see. Um, Peyton, we haven't done it in a few weeks. You got some recruiting news real quick? I do I do have recruiting news here, and I want like a cool name for this segment. I need to think of something. I want something cool name. But starting off, we got five-star forward Trenton Walford will likely make his college decision at the Jordan Brand Classic on April 20th. His choices are – No surprise he did it on 420. Yeah, what's up? Well, <laughs> His choices are up. Memphis, Duke, Indiana, LSU, and Alabama. I say LSU's out of the running, in my opinion, with Will Wade most likely getting fired or released. He's gone. And uh, Alabama just hired a new coach. We mentioned him earlier. He might, I think he's, they're out of the decision, too. So it comes down between two teams, Memphis, Duke, and IU. Duke has yet to offer him a scholarship. But he said after March Madness, he's going to take an official visit there, and they're most likely going to offer him. If I had to take a choice, if I had to make a guess, I'm saying Memphis. I say IU. I think he follows in his brother's footsteps. And I think Indiana makes up for not getting Keon Brooks by getting Trendon Walford. 100% agree with IU. Like you said, his, his brother – he wants to go in there and do what he did, you know, maybe have a, a big-time shot, something. something. He, wants, he just wants to stay at home and do the, do the thing like his brother did, I, I believe IU. Speaking of Alabama and their new coach, four-star Wayman Hawkins has committed to Alabama. Good. Now, see, that might be interesting. They, they bring back John Petty, they get this kid, bring back some of the guys. If they can get Kira Lewis, that might actually sway Trenton Wofford knowing I've got some pieces around me. Maybe. That could be very interesting. Maybe. And five-star Matthew Hurt has announced he will make his college ascension on April 20th. And 420 again. Hey, jo- boy. What's these kids doing in a 420? Uh, you know, they're trying to be cool. They're, they're gonna be, they'll commit, and then they'll be in an investigation realizing that they're all smokers and yeah, they'll they can, be suspended. They can stroke and they can toke. What's up with that? His choices are Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina and Kansas. Boy, I wish he had a blue blood on there. Yeah, well, <laughs> I think sorry all, ass list. I think all four of these teams could benefit having him there. I'm gonna be biased though. I'm saying he's coming to Kansas, and I'm pretty sure I'm pretty sure Kansas is a favorite for him. I would like to say Kentucky. I do know that they're in on him and that um, they've made some ground here lately. But I'm going to say that. He just sounds like a Dukey. He's a big white kid that's a stretch four that can shoot. I think Duke's going to go all out. Drop the bag, if you know what I mean. Wink, wink. Oh, boy. And, um, oh, Chris, $100 bill. <laughs> and I think he goes to Duke. Okay. Kansas. He's going to go over there. He's going to take prison Mitch playing time. And he's going to go over in Kansas. He's going to help us turn it around. Kansas needs some, we're gonna some have, consistence. We're going to have shooters. Oh, boy. We're going to have Deidre Glossom. We're going to have Azabuke if he comes Azabuke. back. He's coming back. He should. Yeah. Bank on it. How about that? Azabuke. <laughs> I think it's down between Carolina and Kansas for the running for him. And lastly on the recruiting news, five-star Cole Anthony unveiled his top four schools. <clears throat> Those schools include North Carolina, Oregon, Notre Dame and Georgia and Georgetown. I'm said Georgia Town. What the hell? And uh, 
I'm saying he's going to North Carolina. I don't think it's any doubt that he's not committing to North Carolina. No offense to Oregon, no offense to Notre Dame, and no offense to Georgetown. They're just not the Tar Heels. I'm going to surprise you. I think he goes out to where Oregon's at for the Nike. I think he loves that whole atmosphere, and I think he surprises and goes, plays for Oregon. North Carolina. It would be interesting to see if Kobe White comes back or not. Because if he leaves, I definitely say he goes to Carolina. But we'll see. And that's the end of the recruiting news. Um, interesting. Recruiting is going to pick up a lot as the season ends. Uh, moving down, though, speeding this thing up, um, we'll get into our, our shout-outs. Shout-out. Peyton, real quick. <clears throat> take it away. My shout-outs are, number one, Trey Jones, who dropped a career-high 22 points and eight assists in the win over Virginia Tech. And you guys know what happened. Duke lost to Michigan State, and he bawled his eyes out in the post-game uh, conference. He bawled his eyes out. I really feel for him. He's, I really like watching him play, but congrats to him. Shout-out to him. My, no, my next shout-out is Texas Tech for making their first Final Four in school history. My number third shout-out is Chuma Okiki, who scored 20 points and 11 rebounds in a UNC upset. And I hope players for him, toys ACL, but I hope he does well. I hope he comes back stronger. Yeah, um, that's – God, that's so shitty. Terrible. With my shout-outs, how about this? Bruce Pearl making his first Final Four, vindicated after all the, the BS with the Tennessee getting fired, put on a show clause – for the whole barbecue incident, it just exonerated from the, the game for a while. Comes back to a really bad Auburn program at the time. It had fallen on hard times and <clears> builds them back up. Auburn's a, a place to be even. I know they got some stuff going on with the assistant coach of his, Chuck Persons. But God dang it, Bruce Pearl, you made a Final Four. I'm happy for you. Old sweaty Good Betty. stuff. Second shout-out. I'd be remiss without shouting out my, my dude, P.J. Washington. If that is your last game in Kentucky blue then blue and white, then I applaud you. Went out with 28 points. Literally carried the Wildcats there against Auburn, even in a losing cause. You've been fantastic. You've turned yourself into an All-American. I salute you. My third shout-out, I'm going to the women's game. Um, her career is, I think, ended. She was a senior. She's a senior. She's Her on. career ended in a loss to UConn. Asia Durr from Louisville, absolute fantastic scorer. Shout out to you. And my fourth one, we give them a hard time. We've been fatigued with them, but it's not the kid's fault. So shout out to Zion Williamson for being an absolute superstar in college. It's not his fault. You listen to him. He sounds like a fun kid. He never really made it about himself. He always talked about the team. He came back when I thought he should set out. He gave us, even if he's only in college for a year, he gave us a year worth of highlights Fun player to watch. Shout out to you, sir. Yeah, I said that last week. It's not his fault. Cook? This this isn't going to be one of my most prolific shout outs because I just I like the little guy. We don't have no more Mike Dom. We don't have no more Chris Clemens. I'm just, it's, it's okay. But I, I got some for you. Two teams, four shout outs. Starting off here with Ryan Klein against Tennessee. 27 points, 10 of 13 from the field, 7 of 10 from three. He even tossed out four assists on top of that. Ryan Klein with the, the goofiest little hitch in his shot. Barely any rotation. Barely even hit the rim all night. Just cashing buckets the entire evening, especially in the end and the overtime against Tennessee. 
Mr. Klein, well-deserved. We're going to stay with the Boilermakers. Carson Edwards. There you go. Carson hey. Edwards. I've, I've trashed you a little bit. You sent me a tweet and told me, shut my mouth. Watch what I can do. <laughs> Mr. <laughs> Mr. Edwards against Virginia, 42 points. We've said it before. I'm going to tell you one more time. 14 of 25 from the field, 56%. 10 of 19 from three-point. That's over 50%. Carson Edwards did everything and anything that he could do to wheel and deal this team over Virginia. It was just a hair short. But, Carson Edwards, you, did not, you were not at fault at any point in this game. You did everything you needed to do. Carson Edwards, shout out. Aaron Henry, Michigan State. There you go. Aaron Henry, on the season, you averaged six points, 3.9 rebounds, one and a half assists. Against LSU, after Izzo gave you what you needed, he gave you the fire. He sparked it. He threw the gas on it. You came in with 20 points, eight rebounds, and six assists to help in a very emphatic win over the LSU Tigers. So, Mr. Aaron Henry, shout out to you. And we're going to stay with the Sparties. I'm going to shout out the Sparties. You took down the mammoth. You took down Goliath. You took down King Kong. Whatever you want, whatever analogy you want to put with it, as far as being the king, being the monster, you took down Duke. So shout out to you guys. Shout out to Mr. March Tom Izzo. If you don't agree with me on that, we can meet out in the parking lot. I don't give a rat's ass. <laughs> Mr. Izzo is the man. He is the one that did it, and he showed he beat the most talented team in the field. So, Mr. Izzo and the Spartans, hats off. Uh, I hope you guys have a good showing next round. I don't know how well it's going to go, but you guys will always show up and do well. So, that's my shout-outs. Well, go ahead and lead in with your bank on it. Give us a bold one, Mr. Cook. You want a bold one. You missed last week. Give us a bold one. Is my nose growing? Uh, Is it April Fool's? Yeah. Because I just bullshitted you a little bit ago, boys. I said Virginia is going to win it. I lied. I lied. April Fool's, Pinocchio, whatever you want to call it. This is a consolation prize for me. The national championship comes to the Big 12 with Texas Tech defeating Virginia and or Auburn, whoever makes it. Texas Tech, Red Raiders. First ever Final Four appearance. First ever championship game. First ever banner. Take it home, Texas Tech. We got you. Man, me and you, we have the same idea because I said Texas Tech was going to win the national championship. April Fools, I like Michigan State. You can't take my okie dokes. I, I wrote it down. <laughs> Michigan good, State good. beats Texas Tech, and Michigan State defeats Virginia to give Tom Izzo his second national championship game. And listen, Michigan State's a really good basketball team. Cashes Winston leads them, a.k.a. Cash Winston. And I think Michigan State and the Spartans are going to do it. Even though I don't like them, I think they're going to do it. Well, my bank on it's real simple, and I'm not BS, and you guys are April Fools. And <laughs> Pulling a rug on you. Bank on it, Auburn hits 15 threes or more on Virginia. Even though they do that, they will, find, they will lose. But Auburn will put on a show for the people in Minneapolis. Bank on that. Take it to the bank. Um, and lastly, moving on as we wrap this up, we got some final thoughts. And, you know, just to kind of tie everything in, I took some time. Normally I just kind of wing my final thoughts and try to be real thoughtful about it. But I took the time to write them down. My final thoughts, when our favorite team season ends, it's never easy, or at least it shouldn't be if you're truly invested. It should sting, it should bother you for a day or more after. 
We as fans put months of time getting to know these players, buying the merch, buying tickets to go see them, and trash talking other teams of fan or trash talking other fans of teams, counting down the hours and minutes literally until tip off time again. I know I do. I know you guys. Oh yeah. Yep. When it ends, it's more than the end of another season. It's a true emotional draining and fatigue. We all go through it every year except for one fan base. This is the beauty of the sport we all love so much. Oh, where was that? Oh, just remember to breathe through these times and try not to take frustrations out on others. I know it's a long wait until October when practices begin again, but it'll be here before you know it, and the journey will begin all over again. Just a reminder that it does suck, and we as true fans, um, we know the... We know the passion, and it when losing sucks and it ends, it should. It should bother you. Just some of us just take a deep breath, take a step off the ledge, let it soak in, and then it's time to move on because now we think about next year. So, Pretty good. Uh, who's next? Me? Who, we got, who we got on the list? Go ahead, Peyton. It looks like me. So that's a great point with um, what you just said. And I seen on Twitter, Coach Cal said, talked about his guys after that loss, and said, this should hurt. And if it doesn't, you're not a competitor. And I agree with that. <clears throat> I usually write something down, but today I'm going to wing it. We are finally seeing the final four teams in the NCAA tournament. It's very exciting stuff. I'm ready to watch these games. I really hope these two games between Virginia and um, Auburn and Texas Tech and Michigan State is as good or even better than the the Elite Eight games or Sweet 16 games. I really hope so. We've prepared all year for this, studying these teams, watching them, watching how they play throughout the season, the up and downs. And uh, it's very exciting. I cannot wait to watch these games. And it's going to suck because the season's over and we're going to be preparing for next year. But don't worry, even though the season's over, our content's not going to be over. We'll still have some stuff for you. So that's all I got to say. Yep. And we, like he said, we got stuff rolling behind the scenes. We're going to continue to build. But uh, my final thoughts throughout the year, I've, I've had, you know, just pretty bland ones. I've had some pretty angry ones. I've had some stuff where I've thrown shit, took my shirt off, <laughs> shook, shook some rattles and stuff. But, uh, for this this year and everything, as far as everything building up, this has probably been the funnest uh, season for me to watch, not only as a Kansas fan, but as a basketball fan and personally in my life. You know, I got to uh, I got to go down to rep and watch my boys play Kentucky. You know, my my birthday's in March. I just had my daughter; she's in March now. I got to see Metallica in March. You know, and 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 this this program that we do as well. You know, it's it's something. It's something very cool and very special to us that we've been able to come come together and do this. I mean, we've we've known each other forever. I've known Peyton since he's probably shitting in his diapers when he was like nine years old when I first met him. But uh, no, no, but I've, I've, known, I've known these guys for a long time. This is just a, this is just another cool facet to our friendship and everything else. And uh, I've kind of been lethargic personally in my life and right now. But with uh, with everything that's came along, you know, I get I get to go see a bucket list band. I got to go see a bucket list stadium. You know, I, I had a life-changing moment with my daughter. Uh, there's a lot of stuff that's lit a fire under my ass as far as personal stuff and everything that way. But uh, we'll just continue to roll with that. Uh, it's it's something spe- – and seeing these kids and seeing these kids uh, light it up back and forth all season, and, and especially in madness, 
the Elite Eight games and everything like that. It's it's something that I needed personally to uh, to continue to to strive at a at a physical level that I push myself at, and to push myself with this as well. I've kind of uh, the last couple of months took a step back as far as pushing myself towards a type of, type of goals that I want. And since since you know that Kentucky Kansas game it started, and now it's continued to grow, and my fire is back. Um, you're going to see a lot of personal things get better with me, with this program and myself. Uh, it's just it's going it's the snowball's rolling with me again. Uh, I got almost got a little emotional there, but uh, I choked her back. This is it's, there's a lot of stuff that I'm not mentioning, but uh, it's it's a, it's a great thing to have this program. You know, having my daughter, it just everything that I said compound together is something that's really special to me, including this tournament, and it's not over. Um, we're still rolling, so we're we're going to continue. We're going to come back after these final four games, and we're going to we're going to hit you in the face again with another great program here, Premier Giant Studios. Uh, we're going to have Applied Right Payment <laughs> Services always backing us. E, uh, EPW, they're always doing stuff. You know, check them out for uh, WrestleMania coming Sunday. Uh, Premier Giant Productions doing something with WrestleMania as well, I believe. So on top of that, I know I had a little spiel there, but we'll we'll, we'll wrap it up with me. No, it, it's all good, man, and it encapsulates and. Um, like we mentioned the top program, we're finally here. We've worked God, since November to get here, but we're finally here, Final Four. When we come to you next week, we'll be back on Sunday next week, um, back to our regular schedule, and we'll be from Sunday here on out. We will know who's in the championship game, and uh, we're one step closer to crowning a champion for our first season of everything college basketball as well. And it's went fast, but – you guys stick with us, and we thank you for that. With that being said, wrapping up episode 18, we will catch you next week, next Sunday, uh, with another live edition from Premier Giant Studios, um, like Tyler said, presented by Applied Rights Painting Services, for episode 18, the final four edition of Everything College Basketball. Josh Burton. Peyton Burton. I've returned. Tyler Cook. We will catch you next Sunday. Everything College Basketball. We out. Boom. Booyah. That's all, folks. <laughs> <laughs>